And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is, is Love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. No, I love you. I, I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 126 of the next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and this is our final Oscar nomination predictions episode. We are recording this a day early. We usually record on Sundays, but with nominations being announced on Tuesday, we wanted to give you all an extra day to be able to listen to this episode, hear our thoughts, and boy, oh boy, do we have plenty. Here to tell you all about it, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. We also have Cody Derricks. Hello, I'm very excited. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Tom O'Brien. Ooh, this is going to be fun. And Beatrice Loiza. Hey, everyone. Oh, man. This has been the podcast I've been dreading, honestly. So I'm going to put off that dread for as long as I possibly can. We have a few housekeeping items I want to just address first at the top of the show here. We'll save our Oscar predictions for the end. Let's talk about the fallout from the Critics' Choice Awards, which were held last Sunday evening. Uh, There was quite a few shockers along the way and some things that I know we really, really, really did not expect to happen and some things that we did expect to happen along the way. But I want to just pass it off to you guys first. Were there any big takeaways from the Critics' Choice Awards for any of you? I guess the biggest takeaway would be the so-called tie that they had in Best Actress, which I don't believe it was a tie for a second. Oh, you think it's rigged? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Everything about the show is rigged. Oh, yeah. They had two ties (laughs) in one night. No way. They they just like to create tension leading up to the Oscars so they could say that they picked the winners and they create a narrative going forward. Yeah, there was no tie. But it's worth noting because... You now see that this best actress race is a three-person race between Close, Coleman, and Gaga. Yeah, I mean, Coleman won the best actress in the comedy award. She also won the correspondence of that at the Golden Globes. Gaga winning here was a big deal. And if she wins another award at SAG or at BAFTA, which, you know, SAG a little less likely, still feasibly could happen. But if she wins yet another one elsewhere, especially if she upsets Coleman at BAFTA, hypothetically... Like, it's it's going to be a nail-biter all the way through to the end. Um, I, I don't know yet what to make of it. Um, but like you said, Michael, maybe it's not real. Maybe it was generated. Uh, something that I do feel like we do need to take very seriously now is Mahershala Ali won Best Supporting Actor at Critics' Choice, a place where a lot of us had Richard E. Grant predicted to go over. And I... I have to say I've now come around to the idea that Mahershala Ali might be in for a sweep of the whole season. I really need him to win SAG for me to predict him for Oscar. I just have such a hard time believing they're going to give him two Oscars in the span of three ceremonies. And I know that's just me having a personal holdup, but I just I need some more proof. I don't necessarily see it as the second Mahershala Ali Oscar win as much as I do something for Green Book and that. For the people who like Green Book, this is a safe place for them to reward it. That makes the most sense to me there, too. Uh, Regina King repeated her Globe success here. 
uh, with a win in Critics' Choice, something that a uh, majority of us all predicted. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing until Indie Spirit the night before Oscars, which yeah. she's definitely going to win that. Um, yeah. But <sighs> she's so needed this. Well, I think she needed Globe more. I think this was a shoe in, no matter what. Okay. But still, I I don't know. I, I we'll, we'll get to this later uh, when we discuss our predictions for best supporting actress, and then finally, we get to best actor, mm. where Christian Bale earlier in the night wins. Uh, for Best Actor in a Comedy for playing Dick Cheney in Vice. And to the surprise of a lot of us who were all picking either Rami Malek or Bradley Cooper, Christian Bale wins yet again in the Best Actor category. So this could be the start of something, or it could be a Natalie Portman and Jackie. Well, uh, Michael, you and I talked about this off-air earlier, and I mentioned to you that Christian Bale has not won at BAFTA because he was defeated by Jeffrey Rush in 2010 for The King's Speech, the year when he was sweeping for the fighter. And I'm beginning to wonder if they might finally feel compelled to reward their homeboy with a win there. It's him or Malik for playing, you know, British icon Freddie Mercury there. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a surprise. What wasn't a surprise was Roma predictably won all the awards that we pretty much were all unanimous in agreement about, uh, which was foreign language, cinematography, director, picture. I think everybody, for the most part, thought that was going to happen, and sure enough, it did. I still, for those of us that have reservations about Roma being the winner of the award season, I still go back to the social network and boyhood, and I still think about how those two films also won a Critics' Choice. They also won a Golden Globe, and they swept the Critics' Awards. And then when we got to the Industry Awards, when we got to the Guilds, it was a whole other story. Mm-hmm. So while this does bode well, the real test is going to be this evening with the PGA Awards. So if Roma wins there, I think we can maybe start locking this bad boy up. And PGA is also preferential, right? Right. Just like the mm-hmm. Oscars. Uh, what else? And, and, and I don't know if you noticed this, Cody, but I'm actually going by your uh, piece right now that you wrote oh, for this website. So you. I'm just going down the line right now. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man, after winning the Golden Globe, repeated uh, its win and animated uh, with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I, once again, we all have reservations about this because of the genre, because of the animation style. It's typically not what the Oscars tend to go for. They tend to like to be in their, you know, Disney bubble. But I'm starting to really feel the love for Spider-Man. If it, if it snags BAFTA, uh, then it's probably locked and loaded and ready to go. I don't know if BAFTA is going to be totally for it. I could still see them giving it to like Wes Anderson because the Brits love him. But I still kind of feel like if it gets in, it's pretty much going to win. I think it has the momentum right now. And that category didn't really have a solid front runner that people were passionate about. Like... Between Isle of Dogs and Incredibles 2, I think people didn't really feel like they wanted to give the award to either, either of those movies. But Spider-Man is something people actually love. So I think it's – if it gets nominated, I think it's pretty safe to win. And with the nominations, now you have the whole Academy voting exactly. for animated features. So it should have no problem getting in there. Well, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, now moving over to some text really quick. Uh, Black Panther upset the favorite in two categories, costume design, production design, and it also surprisingly won uh, Best Visual Effects, which sparked up a very, very large debate about Black Panther and 
like did it deserve the visual effects win or people picking it just simply because they loved the movie um i know for myself i was a little critical of that that same evening from an objective standpoint i think avengers infinity war has better visual effects however um i see a win for black panther anywhere as a win uh that represents i think for a lot of people something larger outside of the context of award season and i don't want to take that away from anyone so yes while my initial like outburst of black panther's got crappy visual effects in the third act it doesn't deserve to win this i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to take that away from anyone if they want to see black panther win an award no matter what it is uh what else do we have here shallow is a lock yeah (laughs) that's like the only lock that we know of on Oscar I knew night that from the trailer. <laughs> uh, something very interesting here. Justin Hurwitz defeated Nicholas Bertel at Critics' Choice, which I don't know. Now that he's got Globe and he's got Critics' Choice, he's not nominated for BAFTA. And if BAFTA doesn't go for if Beale Street could talk and they go for something else, like say, I don't know, Poppins, then I think first, I think, I think Justin Hurwitz could be heading for his third Oscar win. Especially because this is the only major award show where he and Brattel were both nominated. So it was the only time they had a head-to-head matchup. Now, uh, just hypothetically speaking, let's uh, imagine if both do get nominated for the Oscar. Because it is a little weird that Beale Street didn't get a Globe nod and First Man didn't get a BAFTA nod. If the two end up going head-to-head on Oscar night and if Beale Street could talk does win the BAFTA, I'm just curious to know, what's everyone going to pick to win at that point? Man, I... I don't know because it kind of just it also depends on how popular each of those movies are with the Academy and how many nominations they get in other categories. But to be honest, I am sort of leaning towards First Man because I just feel like there is an appreciation to that score that people really respond to that people do like the Beale Street score, too. But I feel like there is something kind of special about what Hurwitz did for First Man that people really like. And then finally... Last but not least, the screenplay races. <laughs> mm-hmm. Josh Williams, kudos to this man, correctly predicted that First Reformed and If Beale Street Could Talk would win original adapted screenplay at Critics' Choice. And because of that prediction, he actually beat the rest of us over here at Next Best Picture and our Critics' award, uh, Critics Choice Awards predictions. So kudos to you, Josh Williams. Oh, and a nice shout out to him as well. He will be attending South by Southwest for us this year for the first time and covering as press. So congratulations, Josh. I hope you're listening. Love you very much. But back to these screenplay winners. Ah, oh, God. Uh, first Reformed... If Beale Street could talk over the favorite and Black Klansman, are we wrong about the narratives for Beale? Uh, I'm sorry, for the favorite and Klansman. Is, is something else at play here? Like, what's everyone's take on this? First Reformed really feels like a critics type of movie. So I think they wanted to throw it a bone somewhere. That's kind of my takeaway from that original screenplay win. I still think the favorite has this uh, to its advantage pretty much the entire um, award season. Well, I think it's also important to note that I guess people are willing to overlook the fact that Paul Schrader isn't exactly, you know, popular in the industry. He's kind of a <laughs> no, curmudgeon. You know, I thought that, you know, if the favorite wasn't going to take home the award, they were going to give it to Bo Burnham. You know, everyone loves him. And Elsie Fisher also won um, uh, they're the Young Performer Award. So that was the upset I was expecting. But 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it fits with like the narrative of needing to award him something after having a career that's, you know, as significant as his. Yeah. And we'll definitely uh, talk more about First Reform's chances in the Best Original Screenplay category when we get to our nominations for sure. But this was something that really, really, really threw a wrench into proceedings for me because no screenplay winner from the Critics' Choice has ever not been nominated for an Oscar. So make of that what you will. Uh, What we're going to do now is we're going to just talk about a trailer that dropped this week. Uh, It's another Marvel film. And... It's the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming, starring Tom Holland, Samuel Jackson, Jake Gyllenhaal. Spoilers, not spoilers to Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I don't know. I have some thoughts on the matter. <laughs> Let's talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Thank you, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That was so good. Hey, sorry I'm late. Happy. You look nice. Thank you. You too. Thank you. New dress? Yes, it is. How'd you know? <laughs> what just happened? Planning a trip? Mm-hmm. Going to Europe. It's a school trip. Did you get your passport? Peter Parker here to pick up a passport, please. Mini toothpaste? Mm-hmm. Pack your suit. I just want to go on my trip with my friends. Europe doesn't really need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You look really pretty. And therefore, I have value. No, no, that's not I'm right. I'm messing with you. <laughs> you look pretty, too. I just want to spend some time with MJ. I think she really likes me, dude. That reminds me when I first fell in love. I had just finished my food call. So nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. Is he going to be okay like that? Might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. I think Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome! We got gifts, Parker, but we have a job to do. Are you going to step up or not? You're all alone. Your friends are in trouble. What are you going to do about it? You don't want any part of this. He's like Iron Man and Thor rolled into one. He's no Spider-Man. What is it with you and Spider-Man? What, he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. Sup, dickwad? So here's my thing with Spider-Man Far From Home. I don't know if this is supposed to take place before Avengers Infinity War or after. Has anyone heard any kind of confirmation on that? To be honest, Matt, I just really don't care. And I know that's blasphemous to some people out there but marvel movies for me have always been a struggling kind of thing that i just really find a lot of resistance to and i know that people really love those movies but even the last spider-man film i just thought was okay really and i thought tom holland was the best spider-man yet 
He was good, but I just thought the movie itself was just not that special. I, those movies just in general are, I'm just immune to them for some reason. And honestly, outside of Black Panther, they've just never really done much for me. And especially when you look at the ending to Infinity War, and then you look at this movie, I just get even more lethargic about them. Because then I just sort of feel like, well... These movies are now selling me no stakes at all. And why should I become invested in them? Because their storytelling just seems to be so uninterested about having real growth and development. So It could take place before Infinity War. Uh, I, I don't care. No, it, it, it would just be even sillier to have it before Infinity War. <sighs> I... I... I think it's actually, I, I really hope it is. And Josh, I also don't really give a shit about Marvel, but I just, I, I do care about, you know, storytelling integrity and kind of <laughs> holding true to your own mythos. And I think just immediately saying, ah, well, you know, he's going to come back. If it is a direct sequel to Infinity War is really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that part of it. And everything I also found disappointing about this trailer uh, was Jake Gyllenhaal's presence as Mysterio. I know some people are excited to see like this combination of Doctor Strange and Thor and things like that and like the powers and everything, but I was left completely underwhelmed. And considering like some of the choices that Jake Gyllenhaal has been making in his acting career as of late, like for example, like with that preview of Velvet Buzzsaw that we saw. <laughs> oh my god, I wasn't even on to talk about that last week. It looks horrible. My most Oops. anticipated of the year. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I, I'm excited for Velvet Buzzsaw as well. <laughs> like I, I, I kind of want to see wacky. Hall a little bit more because at least it's more interesting than what I think what I'm seeing with this which is buff uh, filled of scruff Jake Hall just looking good for the camera and I, I, I'm just very uninterested by that yeah I mean I'm excited because I think Jake Hall is super underappreciated in Hollywood but it does seem kind of odd just like seeing him in that muscle suit like it feels like his head was CGI'd onto, you know, that whole shot. Yeah. It just feels so out of place. It just looked very, very weird. Uh, the, the elements of the trailer that did work for me, I, once again, I think Tom Holland is charming. I think the comedic stuff with him uh, being this bumbling, awkward teenager and his relationship with, you know, Aunt May and a bunch of other aspects of him just being Peter Parker, I think is where the film really excels. Because I just think Tom Holland is a really great casting choice. I'll be very interested to see if his voice ever drops, but other than that, you know. <laughs> oh, he's the right age. Yeah. Which is really kind of nice to see. This felt to me like a relatively minor entry. Um, one thing I have to say, though, is it looks, the, 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 the palette of it looks really good, though. I mean, it's bright. Mm. And uh, so, many, so many Marvel movies can be just so dark and dour. Um, this one looks like it could be fun, but minor. Yeah, I think it looks entertaining. You know, I'm not a big Marvel person either, but I do like the Spider-Man movies because I think they exist on their own outside of the whole Avengers universe. But now that Spider-Man is playing a bigger role in the interconnected tissue of Avengers, I hope it doesn't lose that you know singular quality that makes those movies, I think, stand out for the rest of the pack. Right. And those moments where he is being Peter Parker. I think are those moments that you're speaking to, Michael, that endears the uh, the character more. But like seeing him like interact with Nick Fury, that's the kind of stuff that I right, know the Marvel fanboys love that. But I, I just I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. Like, why can't we just have a Spider-Man movie that stands on its own? Well, we do. It's called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what it is. All righty. Uh, moving away now from uh, Spider-Man and Marvel, moving over to the SAG Awards really quick. SAG Awards are being held on January 27th. Um, I am heading to Sundance in a few days. And to be honest, I don't know if we're going to have uh, time to record another episode or not in between. So... I'm going to have us all just give our SAG Award predictions right here on the air. So we'll start off with Best Stunt Ensemble, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Infinity War, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, Mission Impossible, Fallout. Cody. I mean, it should be Mission Impossible, but I really think it's just going to be Black Panther. This category usually goes to whatever the most popular action movie was of the year. Beatrice. I am going to go with my heart and predict Mission Impossible, Fallout. (laughs) Josh Parm. It should be Mission Impossible, I agree, but I am going to lament and say it's going to be Black Panther. Tom. I'm on board with everybody else. My heart with Mission, my head with Black Panther. Michael. Should I say anything different? (laughs) I will. Um, Mission Impossible Fallout did upset Black Panther for Best Action Movie or Critics' Choice, and that gives me hope that it will uh, also prevail here because I do think that the stunts that they do pull in Mission Impossible Fallout, I just rewatched that movie last night. I showed it to my roommate. Like, that movie is just on another level in terms of the action genre, I feel like, and it's just head and shoulders above so many other movies, including all the Marvel films, honestly. Um, Easily the best since Mad Max Fury Road for the genre, in my opinion. So I'll go with Mission Impossible Fallout, even though I know I'm probably going to be wrong. Best Supporting Actress, Amy Adams for Vice, Emily Blunt, A Quiet Place, Margot Robbie, Mary Queen of Scots, Emma Stone, The Favorite, Rachel Vice, The Favorite. I'm invoking a write-in for Regina King and if Beale Street could talk and I hope it happens. Uh, Cody prediction. I'm going with Amy Adams but it feels shaky and I can't decide who else to pick so I'm just kind of going with her by default. Beatrice. I am going to go with Rachel Weiss um, only because uh, I mean I think people want Amy Adams to like sort of have a path towards potentially winning the Oscar but I don't know. I think that I, I think that she's going to be ignored again, and so I'm going to go with Rachel Weisz, who I think is the more um, she's has a better chance of being recognized for supporting actress than her co-star. Okay, Josh. I am also going to say Rachel Weisz because it, I'm getting this feeling that people are not warming up to the idea that Amy Adams could actually win for this, and. I think especially if you look at like what happened at the Globes, she didn't win either one that she was up for at Critics' Choice. Obviously, she lost to Regina King, but even in her TV race, she tied with Patricia Arquette. So it, I don't know. I just get this feeling this year that people aren't in a hurry to give her awards. And I think that the favorite is going to be very popular. And I think Rachel Weisz is going to take it. OK. OK. Tom. Well, it it's it's not exactly you know as bad as Al Pacino in Son of a Woman, but I, I would hate to think that Amy Adams would finally get um, recognized for this this performance. The performance is fine, but the the role is not nearly as meaty as as Vice. So I'm going to go with Rachel Vice. Oh wow, Michael. Well, I'm going with Amy Adams here, but I will say I am not going to be surprised if we see an upset in Emily Blunt for Quiet Place. Michael. Thank you, because that is exactly my pick. I am going with Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place here. 
And my thinking is the love for Emily Blunt this year, the fact that she's got the two nominations, the fact that people may not be able to decide between the two favorite ladies and they could also be splitting votes with Adams as well. I just have this really, really, really weird feeling that Emily Blunt could come up the center here and surprise us all. There seems to be, in a way that there isn't for Amy Adams, people seem to want to be able to reward Emily Blunt in some capacity this year. And if they can't do it in lead actress, even though she's nominated for Mary Poppins at SAG, this might be the place to give her something. And we'll discuss this, obviously, when we get to our Best Supporting Actress Oscar predictions later on. But this is the kind of thing where I could see us once again turning to SAG for an answer as to how this race is going to go. And like just something happens that we're not expecting, like has been happening all season in this category. And we're left with more questions than answers at the end. And this just seems like the perfect thing to happen to make that, uh, you know, come true. I, I, I do want to say, though, that if I had to pick a number two here, I definitely think it's probably Amy Adams. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali, Green Book, Timothy Chalamet, Beautiful Boy, Adam Driver, Black Klansman, Sam Elliott, A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Cody. Go with Sam Elliott. Like I said, I I don't see Mahershala steamroll happening, and I think if they're going to reward A Star is Born anywhere, which they clearly liked enough to give Ensemble, it's going to be here. Okay. All right. Uh, Beatrice. I am actually very much on board with uh, that narrative that you expressed earlier, Matt, of of them wanting to award Green Book something and Ali being the safest choice. So I'm going to go with Ali. Okay. Josh. The thing that's really bothering me about this category is I kind of just want to pick Mahershala because he just seems like he is the front runner. But people don't tend to win multiple SAGs that often, and especially in very close proximity to their last wins. And so I'm going back and forth between him and Sam Elliott, but I think at the end of the day, I'm just going to go with Mahershala Ali because it feels like, yeah, people who love Green Book that might feel kind of bad about voting for it in some spots, this is the one category where you can cast a vote and not feel too much shame for. So I I think that we are going to see a Mahershala steamroll again. Tom? I'm very curious because I imagine a lot of people in that room have worked with Sam Elliott before, you know, given, given his, his, his lengthy filmography. Um, I don't know whether it's enough to, uh, there's not a whole lot of, of precursors yet for Elliott. So I'm going to go for Ali, but my heart is with Elliott. Michael. I'm going with Mahershala Ali for all the reasons stated above. And I'm sticking with my, narrative still that Ali would win the globe, Richard E. Grant would win Critics' Choice, which didn't happen. <laughs> um, Sam Elliott would win SAG, and Richard E. Grant would also win BAFTA. I'm going to stick with that. And if Ali does win here, I will predict him to win the Oscar. Me too. But if Grant wins here, I'm sorry, if um, Elliott wins here, and Mahershala Ali does not win BAFTA and somebody else does, because Sam Elliott is not nominated at BAFTA, um, I think I will stick with Elliott. Up until Oscar, then it's not a bad choice. Mm. We'll see. I think he needs another scene for Oscar. Yeah, you're probably right. But did Beatrice straight? People said that about Mahershala and Moonlight, though. Yeah. Best actress: Emily Blunt, Mary Poppins Returns, Glenn Close, The Wife, Olivia Coleman, The Favorite, Lady Gaga, A Star Is Born, Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Cody. 
I was so resistant to it for so long, but I'm finally giving in. I think this is the continuation of a Glenn Close path to the Oscars. Okay. Beatrice. I am going to go with Olivia Coleman. Uh, because Yes, because I think that The Favourite is doing surprisingly well with just like how many people know what this movie is about and, you know, how beloved the three ladies are. And I think that uh, it's going to do very well in the acting categories and uh, Olivia Coleman's going to be a continuation of that. Josh. You know, I had Olivia Coleman in my number one spot at SAG for a while, but I think like Cody, I have just, I have also had resistance to Glenn Close, but the fact that she has been able to win two pretty big awards so far and the fact that SAG more than any other group loves to reward people that they tend to have missed in the past. I kind of just feel like she's going to, to win. I am still resistant to that idea, but I also feel like of all the precursors, this was the easiest one for her to win. So I'm going to go with her. Uh, I'm actually going to echo those exact same thoughts. I won't have anything else more to add to that. So I will also say Glenn Close. Tom. Can I sneak in and I will I will second and third and fourth Glenn Close on this. Michael. Glenn Close. Best Actor. Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper, A Star Is Born, Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody, Viggo Mortensen, Green Book, John David Washington. This is it, people. This is the last stand for Bradley Cooper. Uh, what are we doing here, Cody? Unfortunately, I'm going with Rami Malek. He's never won a SAG. Um, if Christian Bale hadn't won for the fighter, I would be predicting him. But I think they're just going to rubber stamp Rami Malek. Okay, Beatrice. Yes, I also unfortunately think it's going to be Rami Malek for the reasons Cody gave. Josh Parm. I joined the sad chorus oh, in playing Malik. <laughs> Tom. I wish I could save you, but uh, Rami Malik. Michael. Rami Malik and his fake teeth. I don't like how unanimous this is. <laughs> Well, I don't like it. It's usually an ensemble nomination. For... A movie that has an ensemble that nobody even knows of got the nomination. Yeah, the ensemble nomination is what pushed me over the edge. It's pretty telling. <sighs> and everybody votes for this. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio votes for this and your local weatherman votes for this. I just feel like Christian Bale is a very, very, very respected actor amongst actors. And the local weathermen are also showing up in those cinema to see Vice right now, which is performing better than we all thought it was going to, considering those reviews. But where was the ensemble nomination for a movie that should have received an ensemble nomination? I hear that. I do hear that. But I'm also looking towards, once again, Critics' Choice. And I'm saying to myself, Bale was able to surprise there. And I am starting to predict him possibly for BAFTA. And I'm just the critics weren't going to give Bohemian Rhapsody a win. They would give him a nomination, but they didn't want to be seen as giving that movie a win days after the Golden Globes fiasco. Well, and also like Bohemian Rhapsody, I know that both that movie and Vice have very mixed reviews, but I think Vice at least still does have defenders, strong defenders, as you know, Matt, because you're one of them. Whereas Bohemian Rhapsody, the general critical consensus of that movie is Rami Malek is fine, but the rest of the film is terrible. So Christian Bale upsetting there does not shock me that much. I think he could win SAG. It wouldn't surprise me either, but I think the wind is still in Rami Malek's favorite SAG. I'm going to be bold and different here, and I'm going to go with Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, and I'm going to tell you please, why. Please I hope so. Right. I hope so, too. Oh. I'm, going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why. Not only because I want to carry this banner of hope for the rest of the team here, <laughs> uh, but also because 
he does not have a director category to split votes with himself on. So if you really, really love The Star is Born and you love him and you love what he did, and if the thing that's been holding him back from wins is that people feel like they could vote for him in another category and maybe he's splitting with himself uh, for wins, this is the one place where they can't do that. He's only nominated in this one category. I mean, yeah, sure, there's ensemble too, but come on. So I I think this... I. I I think people really respect what he did with this movie. And I do believe in the last few weeks since Malik and uh, Bale with Globes and Choice have won, I am sensing this buildup of poor Bradley Cooper. And how, how come he has not been able to win? Like, he was so ready to give a speech at Golden Globes. They had him in the prime spot at that table, ready to get up there in the event that he won. And he didn't. And I... I, I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm going to go with it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Bradley Cooper. I mean, he's not out of the race, certainly, and he could definitely win this. But I would also say that if he doesn't win this, there is no way he is winning the Oscar. This is literally his last stand. Yeah. Co- correct. Yeah. yeah. Cooper's last stand. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought six weeks ago he's the underdog? Crazy. It's absurd. It's absurd. There was a tweet from October. It was a tweet from Mark Harris, and he wrote sometime like early October, uh, like flashing forward to January when we're all going to say Bradley Cooper. Uh, it was so nice of him to look gracious when he lost all of his awards. <sighs> He's going to get four nominations. It's a crime. It's the crime of this award season. <laughs> Best Ensemble, A Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, Crazy Rich Asians. Who's ready to throw darts at the dartboard? Cody. <laughs> I'm going with Black Panther. Um, the only categories nominated in here at this award show, and it's, I think, unquestionably the most widely seen by SAG membership, and there's just such a love for the movie. I think it goes to Black Panther. Beatrice. Oh, man, I'm really uncertain about this one. I'm going to go with Black Panther, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bohemian Rhapsody staged an upset. Oh, my God. Oh, absolutely don't I, put I that evil 100%. on me uh, yeah so i'm not going to predict it just to give it good juju towards towards black <laughs> panther <laughs> oh my god josh oh god man you're right this category i really feel like any one of these movies could win like i wouldn't be shocked if crazy rich asians won no um, especially after one comedy over the favorite of critics choice it, it, oh yeah yeah. It goes to show you that there's love for this movie uh, amongst a great deal of many people. And I could also see it being, um, I don't want to say like a non-starter necessarily, but I could see it winning here as a, I like, okay, just imagine if you were a, if you were a voter and you looked at this and you said to yourself, I, I really like A Star is Born. Oh, but I really like Black Panther. Oh, but I really like Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to give it to Crazy Rich Asians, you know, just because and i really like that movie and i don't feel like they're being talked about as much as everyone else and i mean let's face it too that'd be a really great television moment as well for crazy rich asians to you know win at the end of the night exactly. and it would not help us at all with our oscar predictions <laughs> <laughs> which has been a narrative of this season so oh, man i i don't know i i think just because i have black Klansman in my number one spot for picture i'm leaning towards that but to be honest ask me the day of the ceremony and my answer will probably change so you're sticking with Black Klansman? For now. Okay. Tom. 
I'm thinking back to 2001 and when Gosford Park won this award. And it, it, that to me was a real ensemble piece. And when I look at the, the nominees here, the one ensemble that stands out to me is Crazy Rich Agents. It, it's, it's a lot of very, very well-defined characters. That being said, I probably put my money on Black Panther, but nothing would thrill me more if uh, Crazy Rich Asians won. You know what, Matt? Matt yeah. Uh, just real quick. I, you know what? I'm going to switch to Crazy Rich Asians. I'm going to do it. Wow. Yes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. Um, I love it. Always. You're welcome. Michael. <laughs> oh, so I'm going to predict uh, Black Panther. But I do think Bohemian Rhapsody has a path here, especially when we consider that everybody is voting for this, how much of a commercial hit it's been. You know, the fact that it gets in, that was the hurdle. Now it's just a matter of how many people will pick it as their number one. However, thinking about Crazy Rich Asians, it makes me think back to a long time ago, but when The Birdcage won at SAG. Listen to this. The Birdcage was a movie that showed up at a bunch of guilds that year, did not get a Best Picture nomination, it didn't even win the Golden Globe for musical or comedy. It went to Avita that year. But when you see the Birdcage winning SAG, and then at the Oscars it receives just a production design nomination, maybe that's the path that Crazy Rotations is on now. It's very true. And I have to credit Will Mavity for that theory, by the way. Our friend Will came up with that. No, and I think it's a very good one. I have thought about this a lot. I have had many sleepless nights. <laughs> And I have decided that I am going to pick Bohemian Rhapsody. Matt. Have you? Uh, oh, SAG winner Mike Myers. Gone over to the dark side. You got to have positive thinking here. Yeah, but positive thinking does not win your pool. So <laughs> I've been in about four meetings, just at work meetings over the last two months where people stopped talking about whatever the meeting's about to go on about how much they love Bohemian Rhapsody. Just out of the blue. These are well, just, Michael, you, know, you also work in hell. So, you know. <laughs> to echo those sentiments, Michael, my mom texted me a long paragraph about how much she loved Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> People are so. head over heels for this. And it might just be the Queen music. They might just leave on the high from Live Aid and go, oh, that, that was tremendous. It was the best movie of the year. Oh, absolutely. If it was a sober drama about Freddie Mercury, nobody would be raving about it. I really hate that it's come to this point. But what I'm doing with this is I'm just predicting the worst possible outcome. <laughs> Not because I want it to happen, but just because I, I here's the thing. If I pick it and I'm wrong, I will be so happy to be wrong. But if I don't pick it and I pick something else being optimistic, I, I will just be hurt. I will be so hurt. Um, with that said, I do think there is a bit of logic here also, too, in me picking it. Um, it's logic that I don't agree with. It's logic that I don't want to see come to fruition. But there is logic there. And those examples that you all just said, I think, adds a bit of credibility to that logic, whether we like it or not. And I think that that's – Michael, you said before the local weathermen and all the other people that have merged with SAG uh, you know, and AFTRA coming together for this – if they like Bohemian Rhapsody, they're going to pick it here. That's and that's it. Let's hope they also love Black Panther because we know more of them have seen Black Panther. I will say that my my number two and uh, Josh Parm, I know you switch. I know you switched your pick. My number two is actually Black Klansman. Um, I think that that has a really great ensemble. And I think that even the smaller characters in that movie really stand out extremely well. 
even if they have one scene like um, Carrie Belafonte, I, like I just think that that's the film that could possibly win here. Um, but I don't know how much of that is because I'm just holding on to this Black Klansman winning Best Picture narrative for some reason. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's move over to the polls. And then we have one more trailer and then our final Oscar nomination predictions. Polls, housekeeping. So last week we asked everyone which is their favorite M. Night Shyamalan plot twist. And we pretty much listed all of his movies, all of the plot twists. And I'm, I'm not even going to add a little bit of suspense to this. There is no suspense, just like his most recent movies. Uh, the winner is The Sixth Sense, obviously. Uh, that's considered one of the greatest plot twists of all time. But I'm really curious to know, what do you guys think it came in second place at least? Split? Maybe recency bias, and that was a twist nobody saw coming. Anyone else? I think the village. I think the village. Yeah, I think it's the village too. Yeah, because I think the village has also gotten kind of a rediscovering lately, and people are coming to bat for it a little bit more, as it should. In first place with fifty-four votes, the sixth sense. In second place with fourteen votes, is unbreakable. Ah. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and then in third place with 13 votes is split and then in fourth place with 11 votes so they were all very close within three votes of each other is the village there we go i'm one of those 11 <laughs> <laughs> if you're the other 10 follow me and at me i'm not even going to say what the fifth one was i'm not even going to say it but it was lady in the water <laughs> oh god that movie's unwatchable <laughs> Everybody pretty much just took their votes and threw them at the sixth sense. Yeah. Uh, and with that said, our review of Glass uh, was actually posted the same uh, day as uh, this episode. And you can hear all of our thoughts on M. Night Shyamalan's latest on there. Uh, Cody, Josh, myself, we had words to say. That's for sure. <laughs> so in other words, if I see him in public walking down the street, I should just try to duck. Uh, hide if he sees me. Uh, I don't know. I mean, are you going to see the movie? I may at some point. Philadelphia, baby, you gotta. I know, I gotta support my people. Although the two Philadelphia movies out right now are that and the upside, so it's not uh, too positive for us right now. <laughs> you don't have to see the upside. And one thing I did not get a chance to say on last week's uh, podcast, uh, you can head on over to the polls page and vote right now for what will be our next throwback podcast film review for February 2019. Uh, the movie that it is most tied to is going to be the Lego movie, the second, or Lego movie 2, the second part. Uh, so the choice is, are 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, The Lego Movie, or The Lego Ninjago Movie. So any one of those, head on over to the polls page, vote, and whatever wins that is the film that we will review on the podcast in February to tie into The Lego Movie to the second part. Okay, one more trailer to go, and then we get to our final Oscar nomination predictions. This time... We're heading back to the multiplex with Mr. John Wick. John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Let's take a look. Jonathan, what have you done? To dream the impossible dream. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. To write the unwritable wrong. Tell me what you want. Passage. I can't help you. To reach the unreachable star. Do you expect him to make it out? A $14 million bounty on his head. And everyone in the city wants a piece of it. I say the odds are about even. Dark, five seconds. 
John Wick, excommunicado, in effect, in three, two, one. And away we go. Nothing's ever just a conversation with you, John. <laughs> guys, guys. You good? Whoa, that's cinematography. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> my God. Oh, my Lord. Dan Lawson, man. Oh, God. He shot The Shape of Water last year. He shot Crimson Peak. He shot John Wick Chapter 2. But, man, he is doing some Roger Deakins Skyfall Blade Runner 2049 level shit in this movie. With those colors and those that use of shadow, I mean, yo, it, say what you will about John Wick itself, but you cannot deny this movie looks pretty as hell. Yeah, that cinematography is absolutely astounding. Uh, although, I have to admit something which might uh be blasphemous to some people i've never seen a john wick film oh josh me too (laughs) (laughs) and it's not like i've been intentionally avoiding them it's just that for whatever reason i've just never come across them and i'm sure they're entertaining and i would like them but i just have yet to see them but i will say this trailer does like visually at least look pretty spectacular so it does have my interest you know what it is It's a very, very, very stripped down, very simple narrative. It's this guy who used to be an assassin, has settled down with his wife, and he's kind of left the life behind him, and he's got a dog. And then somehow, some way, somebody from his past, and he ends up having a misunderstanding with them, and, and his dog ends up getting killed. And because his dog ends up getting killed, it brings out the old John Wick. And he goes in, he gets his guns, and he just it goes on a murderous rampage. And it's a B-level movie plot. Uh, but like like much in the same way that Taken kind of reinvigorated Liam Neeson's career, that's what this did for Keanu Reeves. And I have to say, I think it might actually be like his best like role, like actual role, uh, even more so than Neo in The Matrix, which he's obviously commonly known for the most. I, I have to say, I adored this trailer from beginning to end. As soon as I saw Wet Streets and a dog, I was there. <laughs> he's easy to please. And, <laughs> and then the impossible dream of the, the just that very a veneer of a kitsch factor on top of it, seeing all of this action going on with the impossible dream. And then the dogs get their revenge. <laughs> I'm, yes. I am in my that dog jumped like six feet <laughs> and tackled a person. I was like, yes, I was cheering. I was so happy. Yes. And then you, and then you have that, um, what reminded me a lot of like kill, that kill bill, uh, kind of visual style of the motorcycles. 
uh, with the with the with the swords. Oh, the swords. That yeah, was oh. <laughs> I was getting real Tarantino vibes from that, and uh, that's that's what I mean. Like when I say that these movies are not you know meant to be taken uh, seriously necessarily, but they're just uh, genre fun, and they're very self aware genre fun. I want to really preface by saying that, like the movie has a like for anyone that's never seen any of the other two, like the John Wick movies have a degree of humor to them. Because they don't take themselves seriously, and they're entertaining. the 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 choreography, the choreography of some of the fight scenes is out of this world good, and a lot of it is with gunplay, not with hand to hand or swords necessarily. Although it looks like there's a lot of that in this one, um, and it's just very interesting in a way that I have not seen since like John Woo, earlier John Woo. So. Halle Berry shows up at the end, and I'm a little skeptical on that part of the story a little bit because I really kind of want to just keep it with Keanu Reeves and his journey, and I don't know how this other character is going to factor into this. But there's a couple of other people in this also that, you know, I, I, I did anybody catch Braun? Anyone see Braun from Game of Thrones in there? Because I did. <laughs> I saw him in the trailer. Lawrence Fishburne, was that him? Yeah, okay. Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. He's, he's in the movies. So wait a minute, I got it. Wait, show of uh, ha- show of hands. Has anyone seen the John Wick movies besides me? I saw the first one. Oh okay, one, okay. One. I've seen all three. Oh okay, I've seen all two. <laughs> and really quick, Tom, because I never got your thoughts on this. We actually reviewed it on the podcast uh, two years ago. What, did you did you like Chapter Two? I like Chapter Two. I didn't like it quite as much as Chapter One because Chapter One just slapped me silly. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, I guess there's a degree of expectation there or lack of that could then, when you walk into it, you come out thinking, wow, that was better than I expected. Hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. And I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast, a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning. And you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. Moving on to the final segment of this episode. It is now time for our final Oscar nomination predictions. Nominations are going to be announced on January 22nd. At, I think it's like, what, 8.20 a.m. Eastern Standard Time? Yeah, it's like 5 a.m. East uh, West Coast Time. Sorry, Will. Oh, God. Sorry for anyone on the West Coast. Tom, I, I feel you right now. Ooh. We're going to work our way from best foreign language film up on up. And this is it. Here we go. I am so not ready. I will start us off. For best foreign language film, my nominations are Never Look Away, Capernaum, Shoplifters, Cold War, Roma. Anyone? Let, let's let's keep this like a little bit sim- more simple. Does anybody have anything else other than those five? Yes. Go ahead. I I don't think the general Oscar population is going to sit down to watch three hours of Never Look Away. In his place, I have The Guilty, which I have seen, and that plays extraordinarily well. Exactly. Yeah. Every year, there's a kind of general easy watch. You know, very um. Simple sounds mean, but that kind of movie, I'm thinking of like the insult last year. It just feels very watchable. And I also want to say, too, you, you know, it, with the arguments that we're making right now, um, I, we all kind of have the chance right here on the air to make edits to our predictions as we see fit. So if you, you're making a case for the guilty right now, and I have to say, I, I, I'm starting to hear it. Does anybody else have the guilty in there? 
I could see it happening, but I'm keeping Never Look Away in my predictions because of the Sony Picture Classic push and the fact that, uh, what's his name, Florin, the tourist, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, he directed The Lives of Others. Others. Yes, yes. Uh, I I think people are going to see his name and want to see that movie no matter how long it is. Well, he 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 did uh, topple the giant of Pan's Labyrinth, uh, you know, in two thousand six, and who knows? I uh, I saw Never Look Away, and it and the three hours fly. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh. it's it's. I've seen ninety minute movies that are much felt much longer than Never Look Away. Oh, that that actually is really good. I have not seen it yet. Um, you're making me definitely want to check it out for sure. You you saw the one film that. Uh, when the shortlist got announced, Tom, that none of us had heard of before, Akia? Is that how you say it? Aika. Aika, okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how was that? It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, a, 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 not, not a chore, but it's, it's very dour. You know, it's, uh, Moscow in the snow. Uh, you know, it, but it's got a real pulp kind of feel to it. It's, uh, a woman who is in debt to a loan shark and she's trying to find money anywhere she can, but her... Uh, work visa is now kaput, so no one can hire her except for sleaze bags. And she's abandoned her baby in the hospital. It's everything but Lillian Gish on the ice flows. It's uh, all these <laughs> awful things happen to her. But Sounds it's, like comedy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a popular movie. Um, but uh, I, the performance is so good by uh, the actress who played Ica, whose name I can't possibly pronounce. Um, I can see why it's there. Uh, and Beatrice, you're the only one I think on the team that has seen Birds of Passage. I've seen it too. Oh, sorry, Parm, you too. Uh, does do either one of you, since you've seen it, have that in your predictions at all, or no? Uh, it's not in my predictions, just because I think it's not as, I mean, simply put, as good of a film as Birds of Passage. And you no know, reviews. Oh no, 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 I am talking about Birds of Passage. Oh, oh, uh, sorry. Uh, it's not as well reviewed as uh, the director's first effort, which was nominated, uh, Embrace of the Serpent. Sorry, clarification. Um, and I think you know people haven't really been talking about it as much. Um, what I have in the fifth slot, however, is is Burning, um, as, oh, instead of Never Look Away. I want it to be Burning um, so badly. I think that you know, considering how sort of niche of a director Lee Chang-dong is, his film has, has you know, relatively speaking, really blown up here in America. Um, and it's, it's very beloved by critics. And it has, you know, the added bonus of, you know, American Korean actor Steven Yeun, who, you know, some people are saying might be a black sheep for Best Supporting Actor. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, I mean, I think there's a lot of buzz around it. So... Um, that's what I have in my number five. I would be so happy if Burning made the lineup. I would be so happy. I don't care at what expense to Cold War, Shoplifters, Capernaum, Never Look Away. And, and anything but Roma is is pretty much up for grabs here in this category. Roma is like the, like the lockiest lock you could ever imagine, I think. <laughs> but, but Burning, though, getting in, oh, my God. I would oh, – you know what? I, I think – after hearing now the arguments for the guilty and all the others, I think I'm going to just be a little wishful with this one, and I'm going to predict Burning gets in in that fifth slot. And for for all I know, I mean, maybe something else misses. Maybe uh, Shoplifters doesn't make the cut. Maybe Capernaum doesn't make the cut. Um, I can't see a world where Cold War misses, I guess, but Stranger Things have happened. 
Uh, but man, oh man, I really want it to be burning. The only thing with burning for me, though, is I feel like that movie is not as universally beloved by the industry as it is with the critics. And there's no way to know this for sure, but I have a feeling that the special committee saved that movie uh, to be I included agree, on the short list. And yeah. for that, I I feel like there's going to be some resistance to that movie. Even though there's a lot of passion behind it, I think it is divided passion. I'm moving it in. <laughs> making the edit right. now. I'm keeping them to look away. <sighs> All right. Yeah. It's an so edit. if we have Burning Shoplifters and Roma, I'm sorry, not Roma, Burning Shoplifters and Cold War, that's going to be three can titles in the foreign language conversation. Yeah. <sighs> Man. Wow. All right. Documentary feature. All right. For documentary feature, I have Shirkers, Free Solo, Three Identical Strangers, Minding the Gap, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. Anybody have anything different? I'm a little different there. Yes. I have yeah. Won't You Be My Neighbor, Free Solo, RBG, On Her, Shol- on Her Shoulders, and Shirkers. So, wait. You have Minding the Gap missing? I do. I do. As much as I don't want to admit it, I do feel like that is a possibility. No! It's not anything about the movie itself. I think it's a really well-made movie, does something extraordinary with all the footage and how it's edited. My theory here is that Money in the Gap is a Hulu movie. And I think that's going to cause a little bit of tension with this documentary branch, since they're sort of seen as the outsiders. Yeah, but Netflix does so well here. Do you really think they're going to distinguish between streaming services? Well, it's not because of the streaming service in general, but Netflix has really, you know, branded itself. They're known as this. They've shown that they could get movies in for Oscars. Hulu has never done this before, and I wonder if they're going to be thinking, "Well, we already have the one streaming service, or are we going to be able to do another one?" I'm going to quote Andrew Garfield when he uh, in the Social Network when he hands uh, the scarf to his girlfriend, and he says, "This will be your first. <laughs> Because that's how I feel about this. Well, why can't this be the first one? I just think there's going to be a little bias there the first try around. You know, Amazon didn't do it the first time around. It took them until their second year to get off the ground. Okay, but like, what about this idea that, um, what was the other one you had? You had On Her Shoulders getting in? On Her Shoulders, uh, RBG, and Shirkers. Yeah. I didn't think RBG was going to make it in because I thought it was going to go the way of like Jane or uh, Life Itself. But I think all the news about Justice Ginsburg lately is going to push that into the five. See, I'm still thinking that that's what's going to happen with RBG. I, I yeah. still have that feeling. That's why I have it missing. I, I, currently have, I currently have it out. What do you have in there, Tom? I have got Crime and Punishment in there. That's a great doc. It's another Hulu one now, uh, yeah. once again. But, man, I watched that, and I was floored by that. Yeah, yeah. And that would kind of be the only one in this lineup Um of the major ones that we're all predicting that covers current events and the documentary branch loves to do, you know, hot topic current events. Mm-hmm. All right. Who else has an outlier pick? Uh, I do. Uh, <laughs> and I have very stupid logic for having this one, but it's just what I'm going with. Uh, I have dark money in here. And the only reason why I do is because when I did my first round of predictions, I had this in here and then when it made the 15 shortlist, even though I had no confidence that it would really get into a five, it still managed to be on the shortlist. So I'm just writing it out to the end. I don't think it's going to get nominated, but I just feel pot committed at this point. Okay. Hey, that's fine. Sometimes all it takes is a little gut intuition. Anyone else have any uh, possibilities for this category? 
No, what do we think about three identical strangers? I know some of us have it, some of us don't. I definitely have it in. It's my favorite doc of the year. <laughs> well, I, I, here's the thing about that. I think it's a great doc as well, but I feel like either that free solo RBG or won't he be my neighbor? One of them has to miss. Does it though? Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. never that mainstream. And with three yeah. identical strangers, I saw that movie back in July and I've had a lot of time to sit with it. And I think the story is absolutely shocking, you know, as it would be anyone who hears it. But part of me is thinking, is it a truly great movie or is it a movie about a shocking story that we're left thinking about? But is it memorable, though? Is it something that people will remember? It's memorable, when but I think most of that is because of the story itself, not the actual filmmaking. They like what they like. And if it's memorable to them. Looking at how the doc branch, we've seen them work before. I think one of those mainstream titles misses, and I think it's going to be three identical strangers. It, it, it might, it might, but I, I have to say, I'm, I'm a sucker for documentaries who start out being one thing, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and it turns the film in another direction. Sure, and I, I, I personally like love the movie. Or something like that. Or like Snowden, The Cove. Yeah. Oh, man. I think of those four, that's the one that misses, but that's just me. I guess we'll find out on Tuesday. I, I Listen, I think this can go a million different ways. I'm just going to go with that consensus five of the popular titles, and I'm sure I'll get too wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's Because to your point, Michael, I do agree that that's the way that this tends to go, but I, I, I'd rather get two wrong than four wrong. <laughs> so, best original song. Uh, speaking of getting many wrong, uh, let's see what's going to go down with this one. This is uh, another very interesting one here. I Have a Star is Born from Shallow, Mary Poppins Returns, Triple Little Light, Fantastic. I also had, God, after that, uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Um, I Because I'm looking at what I have written down, and I'm just like, I don't know if I agree with this anymore. Um <laughs> Okay, all right. I'll say what the cons- what my consensus five is, and let's see if we can you know work through this a little bit. So, Stars Born, Shallow, Mary Poppins Returns, Triple O Life, Fantastic, Black Panther, All the Stars, Boy Erased, Revelation, and this is where I have RPG getting in for I'll Fight. Okay. Matt, I have those same five, but instead of Life Fantastic, I switched yesterday to Place Where Lost These Go. It just kind of fits the mold of the Oscars usually going towards, especially in musicals, the... Uh, more statementy, <laughs> slower, um, like important song that can be kind of lifted out of the musical, as opposed to Triple Away Fantastic, which is you know a seven minute dance number with like three different uh, distinct parts in the song, and it's really more about the production number in the film. I just don't think they're going to go for that over the three minute could easily be performed at the Oscars statement song from Mary Poppins. But when you say performed at the Oscars, though, that's what's making me lean towards Triple O Life Fantastic because I almost feel like someone, someone's definitely voting for that knowing in their mind, if I vote for this and it gets nominated, I'll get to see this performed yeah. at the theater. I just can't remember the last time a big production number song was the standout uh, nominee from the musical and the only nominee from the musical. Okay, I'm, so I mean, refresh me if I'm like wrong. Enchanted. But yeah. they got three songs in. You know, right, this is going right. to be yeah. one, probably. Lynn Canada. <laughs> <Sure>. Also <laughs> Mark Shaman. 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, have, I have some of the same. But it's, uh, I have, this is my sole nomination for RBG. But I, I put in uh, the Dolly Parton song, Girl in the Movies. It's not a great song, but she's working the room hard. And it's Netflix. They have a big push behind that. Yeah. So yeah, even that's though what I have to, Tom. portion in the movie. Yeah, that's a really good call. I also have another Netflix inclusion here. I don't have all the stars from Black Panther. 
I think that, again, to credit Will Mavity, he brought up the point that this can go the way of uh, See You Again from uh, Fast and Furious 6, I think it was. Seven. Seven. Uh, seven, okay. One. So, yeah, that's one where, you know, it might just be a commercial thing. It hits everywhere before and doesn't make it in an Oscars. I have, as my fifth, uh, my fifth spot here, When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Love it so much. That'd be great. Because <laughs> you have seen the music branch warm to Carter Burwell in the last couple of years. It started with his nomination for Carol and then three billboards. I think he got something else in the middle there. So if they're not going to give him score, it's right there. He wrote the song. So between that and a big Netflix Netflix push, I could definitely see that happening. I know there's some people on this on the show here that will appreciate this um th- this this bit I'm about to say. Um Oscar nominee Tom York sounds amazing to me. Would love that too. Me too. Uh-huh. That'd be great. And yep. I have to say, for as much as Suspiria is divisive, that song plays very, very, very prominently in the opening credits in full. It's the full song. And it's a very beautiful song. And I... I think it could be a very memorable aspect of the movie for some. Even if they turn it off uh, a few minutes into the movie, they at least will have heard <laughs> that song. And, and no, and I'm serious because I remember as soon as the movie was over, I remember thinking to myself, I need to go. I need to listen to the soundtrack. I need to hear that song again. I don't know which song it is on the soundtrack, but I need to find it. I want to listen to it. It's just so hypnotic and beautiful and melodic and he himself, like to a certain extent, I mean, obviously Dolly Parton is a musical icon but tom york has a following and is definitely a huge star in music my biggest hold up there is the same branch didn't even put it on the short list for best score <sighs> that's true so otherwise heard, i agree with you i've heard some people talking about a place called slaughter race from ralph ricks the internet oh my god Mankin, which great. is a really really clever song but the thing that gives me pause there is that alan Menken was quote-unquote snubbed for sausage party and beauty and the beast the last two years so even though he has a history with this branch and the category, they just haven't seemed to latch onto him lately. And he should have been in there for Beauty and the Beast last year because that song turned up a couple places. It did turn up everywhere. Yeah, I remember that. And it's not a bad song, too. Oh, I love Ever. I think that and was- he's considered royalty by the, you know, the music branch for sure. Um, you know, and just in terms of out of nowhere nomination possibility, what do we think about um, the hate you give and uh, we won't move as kind of a sole nomination maybe for this movie? Well, you talk about sole nominations that could happen, but how happy would you be, Matt, if Widows got in here? I would be perplexed, <laughs> and I would not like to one day look at its Wikipedia or IMDb page and see that its only Oscar nomination was for Best Original Song, a song that I don't even remember from the movie. Yeah. It plays at the end, isn't it? Isn't it the end credit song? Yes. Uh, once again, I don't remember, so... <laughs> oh, well, Matt, wouldn't you just be also happy to just go to IMDb and see Widows nominated for one Oscar? Wouldn't that make you happy, too? A lot of things would make me happy, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's low on the list for me. I have to say, I, I just have to say that Tom York getting in for Suspiria is definitely uh, something that I would be more happy about. The problem is that, like, just from the, the consensus standpoint, I don't know what to take out because Black Panther, All of the Stars, you have Pulitzer Prize uh, winner Kendrick Lamar who produced this whole album and it was a huge, huge, huge smash hit. And it's a song that was also very, very popular to what Michael said before. Then you have Boy Erased, which in my opinion, doesn't stand a chance to get nominated anywhere else, uh, personally. 
And that song is a very good song. And it plays prominently within the movie and actually during a very emotional, cathartic moment that, once again, I think that used within the context of the movie uh, is what helps to make it memorable for people. It would be a very similar nomination to um, Mystery of Love last year, not just because it's another uh, queer adjacent film, but it just is a similar type of song and a similar type of songwriter. It just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And then RBG is Diane Warren. Enough said. Yeah, of she's course. Yeah, exactly. She's like the J. Ralph of this year. With yeah. that said, something has to give. And uh, my issue with Dumplin' Girl in the movies is, I, I, you know, let's let's all be real for a minute here. If that gets in, that's all on campaign alone. Mm-hmm. Which that's is why I still song. have it in. Yeah, you do? I've heard it's barely in the movie. I haven't seen the movie yet, but... I've heard it's 18 seconds. That's yeah, insane. And then the rest that's of ridiculous. it plays at the end. That's why I can't justify putting it in here. Um, I, I, I Also, part of me just doesn't want to support that kind of... You know, it's not really used prominently in the movie, but because Netflix has all this money and they're going to just promote the hell out of it, it gets in. I, I don't know if I want to support that even with the, you know, putting in my official picks, but I will not discount it. I'll have it in there at number six. And I think I'm going to do something ballsy. I think I'm going to replace, uh, I think I'm going to replace, uh, help me out here, people. If I'm replacing one, should I replace Black Panther or Boy Erased? Black Boy Erased. Panther. Boy erased. Boy erased. I think I'm going to replace Boy Erased with uh, Tom York. God help me. So am I on the island here for Carter Burwell? No one else is with me there? I, I, I understand I it. I would love for it to happen. I would. I love that song, but I can't get my hopes up that high. And I think with just other established names in this field, it just seems like a bit of a long shot. Again, would be totally happy for it to happen, but I don't. I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking on my part. All right, shall we move on to original score? Okay. Oh, yes. This is an interesting category. Very interesting. Um, I still I still don't know, but here we go. I'm going to do my best here. Okay, first man, if Beale Street could talk. Does, first things first, does anyone have any one of those missing? No. 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 Okay. Does anyone have Mary Poppins Returns missing? No. I do. <gasps> okay, Josh, you get to go first. Explain. Okay, well... I feel like this category has like six strong contenders fighting for five slots. So I, and I've been really agonizing over which one to drop. And I settled on dropping Mary Poppins because one, we know that the buzz around that movie is starting to fade away a lot right now. And I think that given that Mark Shaman is likely to get nominated in song, I running on this theory that maybe the branch will say, We'll give him a song nomination. He'll still be covered for Oscar, and we can give love to these other scores that are also in contention, which for me are Black Klansman, Black Panther, and Isle of Dogs. Let me ask you this, because uh, Michael made a compelling argument for Carter Burwell before. What about his score for Bow to Buster Scruggs? I can see that, too, and Netflix apparently has been really hard at campaigning that movie, um, but I also just feel like the consensus has really formed around those six films it wouldn't shock me if buster scruggs peeked through but i kind of feel like you're gonna see your nominations come from those six movies and one last one i will bring up i want to hear any general thoughts on this one golden globe nominee a quiet place i have it at number eight it's in the conversation so so uh, would you say we're underestimating it or no i think it had to show up other places for us to take it seriously i don't know what that globe nomination was really about yeah, so. there's other places at the Oscars to give it love if you just like the movie. Okay. That's most of the Golden Globes, or that's probably its only chance. So, I 
I don't know about Poppins missing here. It's shown up everywhere. You know, First Man missed a few places. Beale Street missed a few places. Mary Poppins has been very consistent. That's, yeah. And I will say, it's not an easy decision I make to drop it, but it's just, if I look at the other movies that I have, I don't know what to drop between those either. Like Black Klansman has a narrative for Terrence Blanchard and that movie is going to be a very strong contender. Isle of Dogs has Desplot and they love Desplot. And you can make an argument for Black Panther, but I think people really like how that score has a very uh, kind of interesting sound to it. A lot of uh, instrumentation to it. And I just don't know what to drop. It's a hard decision either way you look at it. I dropped Black Panther because the composer there comes from outside, you know, the click of uh, the uh, the music branch. You know, he's more of a TV guy, whereas Mark Shaman has been around for years and years. He's been nominated a lot. And I think it's an easy call. And if you're trying to drop either Klansman or Panther, Terrence Blanchard, you know, has never been nominated before, but he probably came very close for 25th Hour back in 2002. He was a Golden Globe nominee for that. So he's someone who's been around a lot more than uh, the guy from Black Panther. Yeah, Terrence so- Blanchard is has my fifth slot. I just think if this is the year of let's finally reward Spike Lee, it's very easy to bring Terrence Blanchard, who's been working with him since 1991, along for the ride. I got to ask a quick question here. Um, Cody, Yes. I don't know if you know this off the top of your head. How many overall nominations do you have Black Klansman getting? I I can find out in two seconds. Okay. Um, because this is the this is the difference for me, and I'll tell you in a second. I believe seven, two of which are tech. See, I do not. This is where I get held up. I don't think Black Klansman is a seven nomination film. Like the six and five, feels like the sweet spot for this movie. And I and I'm just saying this only based on like compared to other films that you know aren't the costume drama or aren't the uh tech sweeper like mad max fury road like that five to six spot is where you do get like those those kinds of like uh, adult drama films instead you know what i mean yeah oh it's tech nominations it's two tech noms i have it for um are by far it's shakiest ground and if either missed i wouldn't be surprised but I just think, I mean, we can talk more about this later, but the general trajectory of it as a potential Best Picture winner, you have to give it something below the line. Oh, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I just think that the editing uh, nomination, which I'm sure is the other one you're alluding to. Yes, it is. I yes. think that that's the stronger case for that more so than score. Where the misses editing, uh, it's really no longer a potential Best Picture oh, uh, totally. winner at that and point. It's, it's a strong, it's a solid number five in Best Score with Isle of the Dogs literally barking right at his heels it's right there i think i might remove black panther i think i might do it what a lot of people are doing it's it's between poppins and panther for me uh because i i can't see a world where Desplot misses i, I can't it's not like marvel movies have done spectacularly well across the board ever <laughs> so it wouldn't be a surprising miss i'm gonna do that i'm gonna drop uh, black panther so my final predicts will be first man if beale street could talk mary poppins returns Isle of Dogs, and Black Klansmen. Yeah, that's my five. Yeah. The respectable five. Okay. Best visual effects. Another category that seems to be giving me a headache. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. All right. I have Avengers Infinity War. Even though it didn't get any Visual Effects Society nominations, it did win the Critics' Choice Award for visual effects. I have to put it here. Black Panther. I have Ready Player One. 
I have Solo, A Star Wars Story. And the last slot for me is between Welcome to Marwin and First Man. And I don't know which one to put in, and I'm hoping somebody here can tell me what to do. So, so you're not I even considering Mary Poppins? Uh, nope, I'm no longer considering Mary Poppins. Mm. Mm, neither am I, sadly. But as for that dilemma you have, Matt, uh, I'm not going to be in much help because I have First Man and Welcome to Marwin in my five, and I've dropped Black Panther. I really can't imagine a world where Dunkirk misses but First Man gets in. I really can't. That's well, why I have it missing. Matt and I were talking off air this morning, and something that I remembered as I was talking to him was at the bake-off that they had for visual effects, This the team from Solo kept comparing their work to that of First Man. And I think that's what gave Solo a bit of a boost. So maybe there is a world where First Man misses and Black Panther goes in there instead. Yeah, that might be something to work out, actually. I mean, Will Mavity did such an amazing job of detailing for us what could get in here uh, based on the reactions in the room. And some people do their voting right then and there, basically, after the presentations for the Bake Off. So I think we have to take his word very seriously on this. I know a lot of people changed their predictions based on what he reported from that Bake Off, um, specifically with regards to Welcome to Marwin and Solo uh, both getting in. But... I, I, I have to say, after not getting a single Visual Effects Society nomination, um, I'm considering dropping Black Panther. But then I look at that Critics' Choice win and I say to myself, no Critics' Choice winner for Best Visual Effects has ever not gotten a Oscar nomination. However, there have been instances where movies that did not get a Visual Effects Society nomination at all did get an Oscar nomination still. One of those was Oscar winner Ex Machina. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go back with Black Panther and drop First Man. Anyone else have, uh, wh- whatever context, anyone else have any thoughts or any questions they want to ask about this? So, wh- is the reason why Mary Poppins isn't in some people's lineup is because of the overall dying buzz of that film? Yes. I wouldn't say it's because of the dying buzz. I just think that Solo and Marwin were said to have better uh, presentations at the Bake Off, and that's what people base their votes on a lot. So if they gave better presentations, had a better reel, then that's just why I have them above that. Poppins got in at BAFTA, correct? Poppins did not get in at BAFTA. Okay, right. It got score, costume, art direction. Yeah. Never mind. Did, did Poppins show up at VES? Poppins did show up at VES. Are we underestimating Marwin? Uh, no, I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm about to move it in in place of First Man, actually. Yeah, Marwin is in my five. Um, I do not have Solo, and I don't feel good about that. Nor should you, because other than Episode Three, no Star Wars film has ever missed visual effects. Right. They've yeah. all been nominated for at least one Oscar because Episode Three got makeup. And the reel that Will reported uh, said it was a great mixture between practical and visual and that it was a big hit there. And ILM is loved. Yeah. 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 So then it seems like I'm torn between dropping either Panther or Poppins, and I I don't know which one to do. <laughs> uh, honestly, I was going to say, gonna say one's, one's going to get a Best Picture nomination. Probably the other one's not. All right. I'll drop Poppins for, for Solo. And then, yeah. I don't feel good about any situation with this one, but I guess I'm going to go with that. So go through it one more time there, Josh. What are your final five then? So my final five is Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Ready Player One, Solo, and Welcome to Marwin. That that would be the exact same five I have. Something still doesn't feel right. I know. There's just something about this category. Because, like, 
now watch uh, Christopher Robin get in. So that could happen. <laughs> it got the Annie nomination. Yeah. Yep. Whatever's in your number 10 spot, it will then probably get into the five. So Ant-Man and the Wasp is getting in. Sure. Why not? <laughs> it's very unusual to me because I look at Panther and I look at First Man and I see the best pic- potential Best Picture nominees there. But I can't make room for both of them. I'm going to drop. Uh, oh, God. I am going to drop First Man. Um, ooh, I'm going to drop First Man. I'm going to put in Welcome to Marwin. And that, that kills me. I, I like I don't want to do it, but I feel like I have to. So I can't wait for the have the five of uh, Black Panther, Avengers, Ready Player One, Solo, and Marwin. I still have Mary Poppins, but I'm very ready to be wrong. What do you have it in place of um, Marwin and Beatrice? What do you have? Um, let me look at my list. It, I have Infinity War, Ready Player One, Black Panther, Marwin, and Solo. God, I don't like a consensus here. I don't. Um, Cody, thank you for not having a consensus. I had Mary Poppins return, but I switched her out or her. (laughs) I switched it out with with Solo, uh, like earlier today. (laughs) I just can't wait for the stampede of people trying to find a Marwin screening if it gets nominated. Here's the other other reason why I'm keeping uh, Black Panther in. It did get a BAFTA nomination for visual effects still. And there was a world where that film could have gotten zero nominations completely. Yeah. And it didn't. If Black Panther gets nominated here, it'll win. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, man, we'll see. All right. Sounds. We're going to start off with sound mixing. Another category. Uh, well, categories sound. The sound categories are just ridiculous. Here we go. I have A Star is Born. I have First Man. I have Roma. I have Bohemian Rhapsody, and I have A Quiet Place. Me too, same five. same five. Me too, same. same five. Nobody's got anything different? I've got Poppins in there, but I'm I'm going to switch it out, I think. Well, what do you have it in place of? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, no. No. Yeah, I think Bohemian Rhapsody is winning this category. Oh, no. Oh, oh no, no. Oh, I think A Star is Born oh. has to take this. Me this is me sitting in the corner crying. <laughs> I just think that... People are going to be like, oh, they mix Queen music. I like those concert scenes. And oh, but just... the sound mixing in Star is Born was some of the greatest I've heard in such a long time, how they yeah. put that sound on the stage. It was better than Bohemian. Made... I'll give you that. <laughs> but, but you know what? When La La Land lost this category, I have no confidence about what should and shouldn't happen here anymore. Yeah, but it lost to a war movie. And this will lose to a very popular musical as well. Okay, so now uh, the real question is how many films do we have overlapping then with sound editing, which has produced in the past for us a few lone nominees. Um, They traditionally don't ever match five for five. Last year they did, and that was a complete outlier. It never, ever happened. So you have to have some stuff mixed up. And like I said, if you're going to predict a place for a film to get a single Oscar nomination – it's probably going to be in sound editing. And for me, in this instance, um, so my crossover is First Man, A Quiet Place. And after much deliberation uh, with Will Mavity off air, I finally decided to put Roma in because I couldn't imagine only having two crossovers. I needed to have three. And I have Black Panther getting in for sound editing on the strength and love of the movie. Um, and it, I think it has some pretty decent sound editing work as well. But my... Lone sound editing nominee prediction is Mission Impossible Fallout. I have Mission Impossible as well as my lone nominee. 
I have the same first format, but my lone nominee is Widows. This is my big swing of the day. It just feels like, and Will and I were also talking about this, it feels like the one nominee that they put in this category that was appreciated all season, but there's nowhere else for it to put it. Like, Sully, All is Lost, uh, Drive. Drive. Yep. These all kind of fit the same uh, motif. And I really just think if anywhere it's going to get in, it's going to be here. But we'll see. I also have a Star is Born in sound editing. Yeah. And I have Ready Player One. I do too, Tom. Which is something that I was telling Michael off air. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. It does. I've been toying between that and Star is Born. I'm going with Star is Born, but it would not be surprised to see the Spielberg guys get in. I really want to know what instances in a Star is Born, Michael, like scenes, moments make you think it's going to get in for a sound creation, like a sound effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't anything to do with volume. That's what mixing's for. Like, so, what? why? It's called a gut feeling. You know, I can't recall one particular moment where it really stood out to me. But we saw that La La Land one a couple of years back. I know that had the tap sequence, but... That was a complete outlier, though. I mean, that was that was the strength of the strongest precursor nomination, like sweep i've ever seen there's something about even on gold derby when i go to look at what these experts and top 24 users are saying they all have it in for sound editing i I would love to ask them all individually why i don't i because i don't because i've saw that too michael and i I might pose this question on twitter because i just want to know why i don't understand what moments in that movie made people think that I, I don't I don't get it. I, I, yeah, I really one. don't. Here, here's a good instance. And I think this would count as an example. When you hear the ringing in his ears. OK. 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 But I hear ringing in the ears a lot of time. They even have an Mission Impossible Fallout when he hits the car and rolls <laughs> off of the bike. Okay, so they'll have something in common. <sighs> <laughs> All right. I love the sound editing when he peed himself. It was great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um. Anyone else have anything in this category that, uh, you know what, also too, just in terms of, hey, watch out for a nomination for a movie that we may like be forgetting about that could just be the random sound editing nominee. Watch out for Annihilation here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's another one. Also, too, um, this category has been known uh, more so for Pixar to produce animated uh, nominees here. We've seen Ratatouille. We've seen The Incredibles get here. I could see a world where Incredibles 2 or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I I think Spider-Man is like my number six or seven right now. I think that that is a stealth contender for this category. So, yeah, nothing would surprise me. Other than the A Star is Born mentioned, but I guess it shouldn't just surprise me because everybody's predicting it for some reason. Well, well you know what? Really quick, I, just to give one thing in the favor of Star is Born in this category is that the sound editor for that movie is the same guy who works with Eastwood, and he gets nominated a bunch by this branch. Maybe so that's what it is. something to consider. Maybe that's all it is. <laughs> and maybe that's enough. All right. Best production design. I have Black Panther. The favorite, first man, Roma, and I made a very, very, very gutsy call here. Ooh. I decided to put in Crazy Rich Asians over Mary Poppins Returns. See, I could see Crazy Rich Asians getting in, but not at the expense of Mary Poppins. I would take a first man, if anything. 
Matt, um, I knew you were going to say Crazy Rich Asians. I've been hearing this a lot lately, and I did a quick little research. Only three nominees for the PGA have gotten zero Oscar nominations, most recently Deadpool. It is just very rare for a film to get nominated there and then have a goose egg on nomination morning, so it wouldn't totally surprise me. Right, that's that's exactly what my thinking was. Yeah, especially for a movie that also has SAG Ensemble uh, nomination and a Golden Globe for picture, too, so... I can't I can't go quite that far. I really want to squeeze it in here somewhere, but I can't really find anything to drop. So I've got Panther favorite Poppins Roman first man. Me too. Me too. What do you guys think of Fantastic Beasts? They can get in in production design or costume design, especially after the BAFTA nomination. 100% could happen. I have a goose egg right now, but, you know, Colleen Atwood is there for costumes. Uh, I forget who the production designer is, but he's very well regarded as well. Stuart Craig? Yes, Stuart Craig. That's who it is. And no film in the Harry Potter cinematic universe has missed. Well, this one should because it's the worst. That's not true. A couple of them missed. I thought they all got in for the second one. The fifth one didn't get anything. Oh well, I thought second got visual effects. No, sorry, I love Harry Potter. <laughs> I know this <laughs> by heart. Okay, so now, okay, because now I all right. Who, Michael? I think it was you that just said uh, if you're going to drop anything, drop First Man. Uh, when this podcast started, I had First Man getting eight nominations total, and. I am starting to see a world where I could easily drop it down to six or seven, and this would make probably the most sense. Uh, but but it's gotten everywhere that it needed to for Art Direction all season long. Everywhere. And Nathan Crowley is pretty consistently nominated in this category, too. So maybe keep it in and don't put Crazy Rich Asians in. But I need to put Crazy Rich Asians in somewhere. What about costume design? Which is our next category. <laughs> Well, nice transition. Yes. I don't know. Are we ready to move over to? Are we ready to move over there? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Here we go. So, but wait a minute, though. I need. I need. I need to be able to finalize this. Um. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll come back. I'll come back to this. I'll come back to this. Let me. Let's go over to costume design, and I'll come back to this if I have to. I think for costume design, it would be easier to say what we believe the consensus for it to be, because that fifth slot is really up for grabs. Yeah. So the consensus for is Black Panther, the favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't have okay. Bohemian in there. Yeah, wait. What? I don't. I, I, don't, I have Mary Queen of Scots. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. So hold on a second. Uh, hold on. Because I, I, hmm, you guys. Maybe I should have said consensus three. Well, <laughs> so here's my issue with that. I, I think this is like the e- one of the easiest places for Bohemian to show I up. I totally agree, Matt. Okay, so we have favorite Black Panther and Mary Poppins as locks here. Yes. yes. And then after that, we have the fourth and fifth slots, which could be any combination of the following. It looks like Mary Queen of Scots, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Bohemian Rhapsody, Fantastic Beasts, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, and Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do we go about that? I would say look at what got BAFTA and Art Directors Guild. So and Critics and Critics Choice also has this category as well. So I'm gonna pull all of those up here and we're gonna see if they can tell us anything at all. Um and this is uh, also uh, this is for costume design, you said, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Matt, I think your five is the Critics' Choice five, and it's also mine. So, the yeah, so the five of Critics' Choice were Panfer, Bohemian, The Favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, Mary Queen of Scots. No Crazy Rich Asians, no Fantastic Beasts, which, by the way, I'm leaning more towards if Fantastic Beasts does get a nomination, it would be more so for production design than for its costumes, even though it is a previous winner here. 
Yeah, I had it in for a couple of weeks, but took it out yesterday. I actually took it out for the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is Mary Zofries, who got in for La La Land, very well regarded. And so BAFTA did Ballad of Buster Scruggs in place of Black Panther, which, let's all be honest and ask ourselves a question here, is Black Panther missing this category? Not a chance. No. No. Absolutely no. Win. So then we look at the Costume Designer Guild, and the problem with Costume Designer Guild is pretty much everything that is in contention has a nomination here. So when you look at the general consensus, it's really the Mary Queen of Scots, Mary Poppins Returns, the favorite Bohemian Rhapsody, and Black Panther. I can't even remember the Bohemian Rhapsody costumes. I just think of them at Live Aid, and that didn't really stand out. You got to think of all the scenes where Freddie Mercury is in those extravagant outfits on that stage when he's got the hair and... Right, in general, just period costumes the entire movie. And if it's really going to be a huge Best Picture nominee and people love the film as much as they say they do... This is also, I think, the category where it would be the most, like, okay if you didn't like the film for it to get nominated. I wouldn't hate a nomination for it here. But do we put my... that over Mary Queen of Scots? I wouldn't. No, I have Mary Queen of Scots in. I don't. I do not have Crazy Rich Asians, Scruggs, Beast, Colette, Nutcracker. I think it's. I think it's the five. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't realize Bohemian... you had Mary Queen of Scots, so that's your five. I yeah. got Bohemian at number six, but I do have Fantastic Beasts in, and I realize that it didn't get nominated at the Guild or at BAFTA. But you know, last year Victorian Abdul didn't have that either, and it still got nominated, and. I feel like you cannot count out Colleen Atwood, considering how much that branch loves her and Sandy Powell. And right, and that was my thinking for a while, that Colleen Atwood would get in just because of her name. But for me, it was more thinking about how she won for Alice in Wonderland back in 2010 and didn't even get nominated for the sequel, which I think is sort of the same thing here, where you have the film pretty well regarded the first Fantastic Beast, and then it wins. Second one sort of goes under the radar. People don't like it as much, and she'll get snubbed, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Bohemian Rhapsody is a more likely choice, but it's just for me, in my mind, I have relied on Colleen Atwood getting in so many times that I just can't shake it. Yeah, yeah I, could, I have her at seven, Bohemian at six, and I'm keeping Buster Scruggs at five, just you know, so that if it happens, I can say it was right. I also have Bohemian at six. Um, I am actually have crazy rich Asians in the fifth slot. Oh, I'd love it. I think that, um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that, that, you know, in this category, we don't often reward contemporary design. And, uh, I mean, if anything, if anything's going to be rewarded for contemporary design this year, I, I think it's that film. Yeah, they, they were and fantastic. it's a great way to award the film because, you know, I think it's, it, it's a movie that really showcases the, you know, the the clothes and it's it's such a memorable aspect of the film so i think it's a good way to reward it and those costumes are doing character work too yes yeah i hope you're right i really do watch it's gonna be nutcracker now (laughs) which by the way jenny bevan well regarded also one for mad max so Mm -hmm. i would not be surprised if she showed up there so with that said how many people have crazy rich asians not getting a single oscar nomination Sadly, I do. I do, but I'm very nervous about that. I yeah. am too. Me too. I don't I like have, it. I only have it in costume design. <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with the production design because I, I can't for the life of me drop one of these costume design nominees, but production design feels a little bit more fluid 
and I think I can afford to do so there. Uh, I'm going to stick with my original five that I had for production design going back to that now, which was Asians, Roma, First Man, The Favorite, Panther, Sorry Poppins. At least I have you getting costume design. Uh, best makeup and hairstyling. Only three nominees uh, from seven contenders. At this point, just pick randomly, and I'm sure you'll get at least one right. <laughs> uh, man, what a weird-ass category. I am going with somebody else go. I, I can't. I feel like there's a really solid two. I think yes. I don't even know. I mean, I don't two. know. Nothing, no, nothing no, is solid. Nothing is solid. For I, me. Okay. Well, <laughs> the ones yeah. I'm most confident about, let me say, I'm, I have Black Panther and Border. And then my third slot, I have Vice, but I'm not positive about let it. Let me just say one quick thing about Vice really fast uh, with this category. Um, one thing that we look to in helping us to predict makeup nominees um, is the Critics' Choice Award for Best Makeup. And one thing that is very, very clear about this category is Critics' Choice tends to award films that actually don't even end up getting a nomination in this category. So case in point, uh, going through their uh, history here, District 9, winner for Critics' Choice, not nominated. 2010, Alice in Wonderland, not nominated. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows uh, Part 2 was nominated. Uh, Cloud Atlas, not nominated. American Hustle, nominated. No, American Hustle, American was, Hustle was not nominated. Uh, wait, yeah. are you sure? Yeah, I remember that was the one of the. It was the Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I was, I was going off of memory. You're right. American Hustle, not nominated. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jackie, another one, not nominated. I mean, <laughs> that's a really good point, Matt. I, I, now, now my now my now my big question is: Is are are you guys expecting Vice to have like a seven nomination day? This is a place where I think it could easily miss. And as a result of which, I think I'm going to go with Border, Panther, and do I just say Bohemian and just take the worst worst <laughs> you know, possible? That's what I'm doing. I, I have Black Panther, Border, and Bohemian Rhapsody because the world is a garbage fire. So, <laughs> Wait, so everyone seems to have Border as like the secure one. I yeah. have that along with Vice and Stan and Ollie. Those are my three. I Is think it- Stan and Ollie and Vice are too similar. Um, Award Circuit pointed this out the other day. They usually like to nominate three very different types of makeup. And I think Stan and Ollie and Vice are too similar. I know that's super arbitrary and anecdotal, but I think they well, kind of cancel each other out. Yeah, but last year we had Darkest Hour and Wonder, which I know they're both transformations, but aren't they different enough? That's what I mean. Like I, I, I think that they like to have three very distinct types of nominations. So I think Vice and Stan Nolly are too close. But the, with, uh, with the, Stan and Nolly, uh, you have like a fat suit, and with Vice, he gained the weight and just had prosthetics. I don't trust the voters enough to know the difference. Yeah, I mean the thing is that the uh, Stan and Nolly uh, publicity campaign centered largely on the makeup, and that's why I'm going with it. This branch is crazy. Yeah, they're insane. Uh, for all we know, the coolest thing in the world could happen, and Suspiria could get a nomination, for all I know. Uh, if that so. happened, and Bohemian-led nominations, I'd still be okay. That'd be so deserved. I want to yeah. see Mary Queen of Scots get in here for the pox. <sighs> for, what it's, for what it's worth, Greg Elwood has Bohemian Rhapsody getting in, along with Border and Vice. He's predicting Black Panther to get shut out. I can't believe Bohemian Rhapsody. It looks like Rami Malek went to a Halloween party. Oh, yeah. my audience... 
just laughed when he showed his teeth for the first time. Oh, gosh. But here's the other thing that's worth considering here. Uh, Tapley also has Black Panther missing. Yeah. yeah I have has Black Panther Black missing Panther there, getting too. Three. But at the same time, if Black Panther gets nominated, I think it could win. Absolutely. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Sure. It won the Critics' Choice Award. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Vice won the Critics' Choice Award. Um, okay. So I think what I've finally just... I think what have what about what about Mary Queen of Scots? I was hopeful, but then when I heard I mean, they didn't show up for the thing, it made me less sure. They didn't show up for the Bake Off. Yeah, but you know, I would be cautious about that because last year they said that the reel for Victorian Abdul was also underwhelming, and that got in over like Itania. So oh, that's a really good point. And Victorian Abdul's makeup nomination was, for lack of a better word, underwhelming. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mary Queen of Scots would be more deserving than Victorian Abdul. Okay, so here's what I finally settled on. I finally settled on uh, Black Panther, Border, and Bohemian Rhapsody getting the undeserved makeup nomination. And that's what I have. All right, I'm, I'm moving Vice out for Bohemian. I hate my life. I mean, t- just throw your darts at a board, and whatever three they land on, basically, that, those could be your predictions. Okay, uh, best film editing. Another category oh, that, yep, we, we have finally arrived, people. Let's talk through it. Let's get the ideas out there. Let's see what we can figure out possibly from this. With one lock here. Is there? <laughs> yeah, I think there's only one lock personally. I have finally decided on First Man, Vice, A Star Was Born, Black Klansman, and Bohemian Rhapsody. We are so close, Matt. I, I'm that is my five. Close. Instead of Klansman, I have Roma. Uh, that's exactly what I have. Michael. Instead of Bohemian, I have Roma. And instead of Black Klansman, I have Favor. Oh my God! So we, we all can, we all think Star is Born, First Man, Rhapsody. and Vice are in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think Roma has to be in. I mean. Best Picture Frontrunner. So, BAFTA nominations uh, for film editing. Also, too, uh, we also have to look at ACE. Okay, so BAFTA nominated Bohemian Rhapsody, Vice, First Man, Roma, and The Favorite. So, Noah Star was born in that category. Um, And there's also no Klansman there either. Now, Klansman uh, did get in at... Um, at ace i mean one of the things about this category that i think is a general rule of thumb that you can do is you look at ace eddie and you take four of the five drama nominees and then add the presumed comedy winner generally that's a good rule of thumb to go by i agree but the problem is that all five of the drama ones are like likely to get in and if you're going to replace it with the presumed comedy winner which is probably going to be vice you got to drop one of those, and that's where the headache comes into play. And I dropped Roma just because there is this feeling that because that movie is so dependent on these long takes that there might be that might be perceived as a weakness. You know, something like Birdman uh, encountered, but I I don't know. The fact that it's also a very strong Best Picture contender might be enough to save it, and if it does then what do you drop? You know what I'm doing? Here's what I've decided on. I'm looking at this right now, and this makes the most sense in the world to me uh, after comparing this. Critics' Choice, First Man, The Favorite, Roma, A Star is Born, Vice, Widows. We can all agree Widows is not going to get a nomination here, right? Correct. Correct. That's not happening. Okay. So those five, okay, 
now I take those five, I compare it to BAFTA, and I have Bohemian at BAFTA in place of A Star is Born. And then I look at ACE Eddie, and I have A Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody both in there. The one thing that is not landing is Black Klansman. No Critics' Choice, no BAFTA. It did get Ace. So the thing for me that actually makes maybe the most sense is to replace Klansmen with Vice. And I have then A Star is Born, Roma, First Man, Bohemian, and Vice. I have Klansmen in because I think if you are predicting it to possibly win this picture, which I am possibly predicting it to win there, it, you have to put it in here. I agree. That's the only thing that's putting it in there for me. But isn't it unusual that BAFTA went for Klansman in picture, director, and in other categories as well, but couldn't find room for it in editing? Uh, to be honest with you, Matt, I think that given BAFTA's reputation, the fact that it got in for picture and director and screenplay already says a lot about their support for that film. Yeah, they didn't nominate Moonlight for best editing either. You know, it, it kind of fits the same mold, unfortunately. Tom, explain to me uh, your ghost Mavro uh, Parsidis for the favorite and how wh- why you think that one will get in. I think it's uh, the BAFTA really uh, uh, sold it for me. Um, I've seen the picture a couple of times now, and the second time I saw it, I was really looking at the at, at the editing of it. And things get clipped off when just when you don't expect them. And I was like, my God, why did they make that choice? But there were all those kinds of choices throughout, and that's why I went for it. Anyone else? Questions? God, I don't know. This, by far, this is a category that is giving me the most headaches because – Every time I like I've made every time I go to update this category, I feel like my new winner is something I didn't even have in my five previously. So I am at a loss. You know, what's really weird to me is how much people complain about Vice's editing. And even though it hasn't shown any weakness anywhere, I don't know. Do we think that that might actually come to bite it in the ass at some point? I think so. I mean, for me, I have it in my number five spot. And Vice is one of those movies that is a big question mark as to how much the passion for that movie is going to come through. But it does seem weird that one of the few movies nominated for the Comedy Eddie Award wouldn't and possibly win isn't going to get nominated at the Oscars. And I don't know. I don't know. But isn't the editing one of the most distinct things about I mean, yeah. I feel like if it's going to get yeah. love at the Oscars in general, then it needs to be recognized in editing. I feel like this category is going to have some contender that we think is relatively safe miss. I, it just something is going to not get nominated here that we think should be nominated. Well, let me put it to you this way. Did we ever expect 127 hours and... Uh, Oh, no, wait, 127 hours did get in at the expense of Inception. Yeah, yeah, that was the weirdest miss in this category ever. Well, like Birdman Missing was a pretty big shock, too. I mean, I know that there was that narrative about it being kind of, quote-unquote, invisible editing, but we all assumed that would be something that the editors would appreciate, and it ended up not translating. Could someone do me a favor? Could someone p- please pull up Will Mavity's um, Facebook and tell me under his status, what he's predicting here. I will check. Let's see. Thank you. I am leaning towards Bohemian First Band, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. That's what I'm leaning towards right now. Bohemian Rhapsody is such an interesting narrative here 
Because apparently the editing saved the whole movie. Or you could say saved in whatever context you want it to be in, but... No. Yeah, it does have that narrative, and John Ottman is a guy who's... I mean, he's worked with Singer a lot, but he's pretty well established in the industry, and you know that Singer wasn't involved in any post-production and probably wasn't Dexter Fletcher either. Yeah, and it could have been even worse without the good editing. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Mavity has First Man... Bohemian Rhapsody, Vice, A Star is Born, and Black Klansman. So no Roma. Wow, he yes. took out Roma. Shit. It's I tough. gotta keep Roma in here. I would feel weird taking that out. Yeah, I can't take it out either. I'm not gonna take it out. Uh, you know, I, I had it out, um, but I'm putting Black Klansman back in. Um, although, Tom, I, I could see it being the favorite as well, if, if they love the movie. Yeah. But... I can't see the favorite uh, possibly leading on Oscar nomination morning for some reason. And I do think it's going to underperform in a few categories where like, it's not going to max out. Mm-hmm. So I think this is an easy place f- for me to take something away from it. Yeah. I have it, I have it maxed out uh, at 10, but um, I could see it going down to seven or eight. Hi everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano da Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the first time watchers podcast. Each week, we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners. So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this. Stop, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And shut I wonder who the cat that can God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. All right, Beatrice, uh, I, we have to move on to. Uh, the rest of the categories here and i know we're going a little long i understand you have to uh jump out unfortunately um are you able uh before you go if i ask you uh cinematography what you have as your nominees sure yeah go ahead uh roma star is born cold war first man and that uh if beale street could talk uh animated feature what do you have there uh, spider-verse incredibles 2 isle of dogs roth breaks the internet and Murray. Adapted screenplay. Beale Street, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Klansman, Star is Born, First Man. Original screenplay. Uh, Green Book, First Reformed, The Favorite, Roma, Vice. Supporting actress. Regina, Amy, Rachel, Emma, Margot. Supporting actor. Mahershala, Richard E. Grant, Sam Elliott, Timothy Chalamet, Adam Driver. Actress. Gaga, Coleman, Close, McCarthy, Aparicio. Actor. Bale, Malek, Cooper, Mortensen, Hawk. Director. Quaron, Spike Lee, McKay, Bradley Cooper, uh, Powell, Palakowski. And picture. Star is Born, Green Book, Roma, The Favorite, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Vice. That's it. And I hope you're right on some of these. Uh, <laughs> some of them just had heart in them. <laughs> I love yeah. your picks. <laughs> oh, All thanks. right, Beatrice. I hope some of them are right, too. <laughs> sorry, we, sorry we went long. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. Uh, no problem. You can find me on Twitter at Beansprout Bia. 
All right. Thank you very much, Beatrice. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, yeah. hopefully all goes well. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, guys. You're in for the long care. haul. Bye, Beatrice. Bye. All right. We're going to move over to cinematography. Uh, last of the tech nominations. I have Roma, A Star is Born, The Favorite, Cold War, First Man, the ASC 5. Me I'm too. right there with you. Me too. Well, I am the outlier. Uh, instead of The Favorite, I've holding on to that hope and putting in if Beale Street could talk. I hope you're right. I, I really Gosh. do, but oh, yeah. that ASC nomination. I just don't want it to come at the expense of the favorite. I would rather it be personally First Man. Yeah, but I think that First Man, if you look between the two, you've got the favorite, which is still, I mean, it's got great cinematography, but there is a chance that it could be divisive. And you've got First Man, which is shot by a previous Oscar winner in this category and is generally well-respected. And I feel like, I actually feel like the favorite is the one that's a little bit on shakier ground. And I'm just hoping that the passion for the gorgeous imagery in Beale Street, I can't even believe that it's like in a number fifth spot and not number two right now. I'm just holding out hope that it could break in. Yeah, Beale Street is my personal winner. So if it misses here, I'm going to be pretty upset by that. Me yeah. too, Michael. Yeah. Exactly. Crazy that this is like fighting for a nomination and not contending yeah. for a win. It has. Do we cri- think it'll be hard or suspect for there to be two black and white nominees? Oh, That's I think it's very 16. suspect personally, but I, I think also for two distinct reasons, I think both are pretty undeniable. Like, you know, for the work speaks for itself in both of them. If Ida hadn't gotten it in 2014, I would not be predicting it. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I want to just scare you all about right now, uh, what do we make of Bohemian Rhapsody getting a BAFTA nomination here for yeah. cinematography? Uh, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to transition. Yeah, I think the the <laughs> branch will course correct here. I mean, another thing to also point out about this is the favorite has not missed anywhere for its cinematography. Um, Cold War hasn't landed, at, didn't land a Critics' Choice, uh, which is, I guess, to be expected. Um, it did get ASC. Somebody told them they should nominate. It did get uh, BAFTA. Uh, First Man is the one that I expected to keep missing, and it kept showing up. So yeah. I think that ASC nomination uh, cements it. Yeah, um, I'll stick with the ASC five on this one. And uh, I, I, I too, guys, but I love Beale Street with all my heart. I wanted to get in, but I just can't. Ah, all right. Animated feature. Uh, I think this is a pretty solid five, unless if they throw us a curveball. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Isle of Dogs, Incredibles 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Mirai. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. The only thing I could see um, breaking in is Early Man. Me too. That's my number six. Yeah, me too. Although I do think that The Grinch has shown some kind of precursor support in the industry, but I do feel like that Golden Globe 5 is the consensus. Yeah, if they did that last year, they might just copy down again okay everyone time to sharpen the knives Uh oh above the line time best adapted screenplay i have black klansman if beale street could talk can you ever forgive me a star is born and leave no trace me my two that is my five as well yeah can i entertain the idea is it possible to even entertain the idea of a Star Wars Born missing here? Absolutely. And in fact, sure. not too long ago, I had a Star Wars Born out 
for Crazy Rich Asians. That was going to be the one spot that I was going to throw it a nomination. But just looking at the field, I just got a little bit less confident in it making it here. And considering that the screenplay to A Star is Born has been pretty consistent in getting nominated places, I just defaulted and put it in. But I don't think it's safe at all because this is, I think people can look at it as like, this is just another remake of a movie that's been done four times already. And I think that can count against it. But the consensus is that it's in. It could yeah, even be like a has... weird, sneaky way for them to be like, well, one less option to give Bradley Cooper an Oscar. So it's less of a uh, cataclysmic snub, you know what I mean, when he doesn't win anything. Mm-hmm. Another uh, thing I want to entertain here, uh, Black Panther, WGA, USC scripter nominee. I have it at seven. If Logan wasn't nominated last year, would anybody be predicting it? I mean, I know it's a best picture yeah. frontrunner, but comic book is a humongous hurdle to overcome. I mean, it doesn't have adapted at BAFTA. It doesn't have. Oh no, it did get Critics' Choice. Okay. Um, it's possible, but I still have Death of Stalin above it. Now that's now that's Michael the too. that's the spoiler. Yeah. Uh, that's the one that if a Star Wars Born were to miss here, um, that's the one that I would be most most concerned about getting in. Yeah, I'm not as concerned about a Star Wars Born missing as I am about Can You Ever Forgive Me. I feel like that's. <sighs> I feel like that's just been one of the things that has not moved all season for me. I've I I have never moved. Can you ever forgive me? Out of my adapted screenplay predictions, I not once. I am fully prepared to see a nomination morning where it's just Richard E. Grant, and that would be really sad. But it's just you know something yeah. I've been thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I I I've just uh, regarding Death of Stalin. I've been uh, haunted by that uh, out of nowhere uh, nomination for In the Loop years ago. A writer's really respond to his work. And yeah. I have it at six, but I could see it getting over Stars Born. And it has the BAFTA nomination from last year. And, you know, you talk about that In the Loop nomination, that was before Armando Iannucci did Veep. So even before he was a known quantity, really, in the United States. We're all pretty <sighs> confident about Leave No Trace making it in. After USC Scripter and the fact yeah. that it wasn't nominated, uh, the fact that it wasn't eligible for WGA, I believe if it were eligible, I think it would have gotten in. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. I'm so yeah. excited about that fact. Yay! If it doesn't happen, do we think it'll be Panther or Stalin? Stalin. I think Panther. Stalin. I think. You know, regarding Leave No Trace, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this up now since I'm not predicting it anywhere else. But I could definitely see Leave No Trace turning into Beast of the Southern Wild, where it doesn't really show up a ton in Precursor Season. And then on nomination morning, you just see it in picture, director, screenplay, and even an acting nomination. Oh, Michael, you're teasing me. That's going to right on the bubble there. I have to agree with Michael. That's a scenario that we should not be underestimating at no all. Nominations, just like Beasts. Instead of lead actress, it's supporting actress. Okay. It'll be a nice day. All right. Original screenplay time. Oh, man. Uh, Okay, so we all agree the favorite Roma Green Book are safe? Uh, Maybe. Uh, (laughs) I'm still predicting it, but Green Book, Nick Vallelonga, very well may have tweeted himself out of an Oscar nomination. It's possible. I'm not predicting it, but if if it misses, that'll be why. Yeah. Okay, so here's where I'm getting extremely held up. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I said before, when we talk about Critics' Choice... First Reformed, one critic's choice for screenplay. Go back through the history 
of that award for original screenplay at Critics' Choice, there has never been a winner in that category that has missed the nomination. I feel also like you're the, too much stock in the Critics' Choice. I'm just going by, based on a trend. That's all. Yeah. It's, it's not so it's much just the first and only screenplay winner to not have a Critics' Choice Best Patron nomination. It clearly has love. Now, uh, it was eligible for WGA. It did not get a WGA nomination in its place is eighth grade. I think what you need to ask yourself is two things. I think you need to ask yourself, are you putting Hawk in actor um, or are you not? Like, which, like, what scenario do you more likely see? First Reform getting two Oscar nominations, getting one or zero. And then if it gets one, is it actor or is it screenplay? Um, that's something that we all need to be asking ourselves, I think, when we're contemplating this. The other thing we also have to be contemplating is this is, like, the real test to see, like, how hip and cool the writer's branch really is by picking something like First Reformed or Eighth Grade here because – for a while, do you all remember like when we were we were all predicting both to get in, and Vice Vice comes along and just screws everything up all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I think they're gonna go with eighth grade. That reminds me a lot of the Big Sick. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And mm-hmm. Vice has really proven itself within the industry these last few weeks, so there's no reason for me to doubt it. There, Paul Schrader is not a warm and fuzzy type of guy, and if he missed for Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, two top tier Best Picture contenders. And has never gotten anything, not a single nomination in any category. There's a reason for that when you've been in the industry that long. Yep. I've been pretty consistent with saying that I always felt that First Reformed was going to hit a roadblock when the industry awards started to happen. And I am still sticking with that. So I don't think uh, – I don't think Schrader's getting nominated. I think that you're going to see like Vice in eighth grade take those spots. Yeah. And it would be a deserved nomination. Don't cut me wrong. But yeah. We know the politics of this game. I really think First Reformed is getting two or zero. I can't see it getting just one, which is why I'm predicting it, to not get here and then, spoiler alert, not get out actor. Yeah, I have it at two. Um, I'm a WGA member, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just it just was like a, when uh, First Reformed didn't get a, a WGA nomination, that really – uh, made me very, very sad, but I think it's going to get in here. God, it's just too good. But so is eighth grade, and I'm very, very torn between the two of them. So let me ask you this question. We don't think there's a world where the divisive nature in Green Book, uh, of Green Book and Vice could knock one of those out to make room for both? Maybe Green Book, but I, I just can't imagine that. I think it's like, – I don't think the controversy has gone into the minds of these Academy voters. Yeah, but it did last year with billboards. With McDonough missing director. Oh, well, it, I mean, a year well, out. McDonough I, was it, always on the bubble in director. No, I he got nominated I everywhere. Cool I don't think that's why I got the nomination. But people would always talk about Three Billboards saying that the direction was their weakest, was the weakest element about that film. I don't think. Not the writing? I just think that Green Book, yes, it has been hit with controversy, but I think, honestly, that is still in the top three contenders for original screenplay. So maybe it's not winning. But let's also remember this, too. Did you think Steve Jobs was in the uh, top contenders for adapted screenplay when it won the Golden Globe? But the Golden Globes with with Sorkin is always like they have some weird love affair with him. They've given him awards a a bunch, and I— I don't know. That felt strange to me that he was even in the conversation for that movie. Because I know Green Book has to suffer somewhere. 
does it or do you just want it to no it has to there's no i I, there's just no way i can imagine a world where it doesn't yeah i agree with you michael i think directors it's like is is the wagging finger non-nomination all right you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna you know what i'll do it i'll be the one I'm taking out Green Book for First Reformed. Silly, silly. Because you have both A24s in? Oh, crap. You just said A24, and now you just reminded me they have a campaign to single. They haven't been around in years. (laughs) No, now you just, oh, my God. You made me, I actually forgot through this entire conversation that they're A24. Yep. And they haven't done shit all season. Nope. Yeah, you still want to keep that, Matt? Oh, my God. No, you know what? Fine, fine. Pulling him out of the prediction. Fine. I'm sorry, Paul Schrader. I think love for eighth grade will come through, but the love will not come around for you. Oh, Matt, you just changed your mind faster than Tony Lip. Yeesh. <laughs> okay. Supporting actress. Time for a lot of back and forth here. I have Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, Amy Adams for Vice, Emma Stone for The Favorite, Rachel Vice for The Favorite, Claire Foy for First Man. Same five. Well, hold on a second, Matt. I got a question now for you. You have Emily Blunt winning SAG for A Quiet Place, right? Yes. And you do not have her winning or getting nominated for the Oscar. Hey, First Reform just won the Critics' Choice for screenplay, and I don't have it getting nominated for but the Oscar. Yeah, but that's We're talking completely about SAG. Different. We're talking about the industry, like the most important industry guild SAG, and you think that somebody who wins there is not going to get in at the Oscars. Well, so and that's the thing. Yeah, but the thing about Idris Elba, I was just going to bring that up, but we also have to consider that he won after he was snubbed. For the Oscar. Correct. Yeah, and that was the yeah. first year of Netflix, and I think that is an outlier. I think that with the year Emily Blunt is having, the fact that she got in at both uh, actress and supporting actress at SAG, um, they'll want to give her, her a, a win somewhere, as I said earlier. Um, here with Oscar, I don't see a world where she gets in both, and there's a world where she gets in at one, but I'm more so going to lean towards the fact that I think that she doesn't get in at either. Okay, I just think that if you're whoever you are predicting for your SAG winners, I think it would be safe for you to think that they would be in it in the Oscar. The only reason why I am not, I'm, I'm just predicting. Like I said earlier, this whole category has been a complete, complete clusterfuck for us. Yes, it has. I am just doing that prediction, kind of as a off the cuff. Hey, let's continue the madness. And let's not help out the next best picture team with their predictions at all. And let's just continue to confuse them all season like this entire season has been doing. So, yes, you have every right to question me on it. You have every right to be like, Matt, that makes no sense. But nothing this season has made sense to me. And I'm just kind of just going along with that at this point. Hey, you know what? Touche. What does make sense to me is Claire Foy has the most mentions at Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, and BAFTA. And she also, as something I've been saying all season long, feel it just feels like it's her time to get her first nomination at this point in her career. I hope so. I, I really love that performance. And she showed up at Globes, BAFTA. So this seems like a natural progression. Right. Especially because um, it's we're all predicting it to get upwards of, you know, five plus nominations. Right. Um, if Mary Queen of Scots, Mary, I almost said Mary Queen of Scots again. Um, Mary, Mary <laughs> Queen of Scots. If that film had performed better throughout the season and it was seen to be a nomination leader in the same vein as First Man, I'd probably be going with Margot to go along right, with it. she got the two industry ones, SAG and BAFTA, but I just feel like that movie is, uh, I'm sorry, Nicole Ackman, if you're listening to this, but sort of dead on arrival. Now, Michael, I also, too, want to just give 
uh, a little bit of breathing room here for the idea that Thomas and Mackenzie could show up. She totally could. And it's this gut feeling that I have. I have her down at number eight. But then again, I didn't even have Quivenjane Wallace in my top 10 back in 2012. Mackenzie so. would, would be terrific. I think that would, I would make my heart sore, but I'm going to go with Foy. And if there's one category that likes child performances, it's supporting actress. So, And I'm going to be the one that asks the dreaded question. What if King misses? That's not going to happen. It happened at mm. BAFTA and it happened at SAG. It would be unprecedented. She won two awards already. I know they don't have share voters, but it would be unprecedented. I just wanted to put it. I just want to put it out there only because I. Once again, this season doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So we have to think of the unthinkable, right? Yeah, I guess. I, th- I think the two <laughs> most likely nominees, neither of which I predict to win, are the women from the favorite. I think they're pretty safe for a nomination, but no chance of winning, frankly. Isn't it funny that they are the two most likely to get in, and yet they're from the same film? Like, I don't know. I could even see a world where Amy Adams doesn't make it. No, Amy Adams is making it. She's going to make it, but, I mean, it it would definitely, um, like, kind of relieve the voters of having the pressure of giving her, you know, on her sixth nomination, finally a win. Okay, now the other thing I just want to point out, too, is... Uh, you know, and, and I, Josh, I'm sorry. I will go back to the idea. Emily Blunt getting in for A Quiet Place over Poppins. Well, you see, that's actually my prediction. I have Emily Blunt in for my predictions. And, you know, spoiler alert for actress, I don't have her getting in there. So I think that this is going to be the spot to reward her for her really good year. And the fact that A Quiet Place is actually pretty well liked in the industry. It's gotten... You know, PGA and WGA nominations, which I don't think is anything to sneeze at. So, And a SAG nomination for her. Exactly. I think that there is a narrative to push her over. And even though this isn't usually the type of performances they nominate, I think that there still could be enough love for her to coalesce around this category as opposed to the even more competitive Best Actress race. See, I'm going to be bitter about this because if she gets nominated for this, I'm going to be wondering why the hell couldn't Tony Collette also get in for a horror performance as well? Because one is in lead actress and one is in supporting. <sighs> um, Josh, I'm, I'm, you almost convinced me to switch over to her um, because of my SAG pick and because of the argument you just laid out because I want to, I don't want to be contradictory. Um, I, I'm sorry, hypocritical rather. Um, but I did mention how Claire Foy is having a year Emily Blunt is also having a year as well, and I do have to acknowledge that. Oh, that's true. I mean, Claire Foy is my number six, so I think that her nomination is very likely. I just tend to think that if you are predicting Emily Blunt to win SAG, it would follow logic to have her in your Oscar lineup as well. Maybe I won't predict her to win SAG anymore. Can I get, Can I retroactively go back two hours and change that? <laughs> <laughs> Amy Adams is right there waiting. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll just switch over to Adams. I'll, I'll update that on the site when we when okay, we get. Okay, we had a whole little butterfly effect here. And... <laughs> all right, anyone else have anything else to say on this category before we move to supporting actor? Nope. God help us all. Supporting actor, I am predicting the SAG five of Ali Elliott Grant Driver Chalamet. And that's a very safe thing to do, and probably will happen, but it is not what I am going with. Yeah, I don't have Chalamet. Me either. You guys have Michael B. Jordan. I do. If you read my article on who's getting the fifth slot at nextbestpicture.com, you would know that I, yeah, I think Michael B. Jordan's in. Cody, I know it's, it's very, very game. hard. It's a hard call to make. You know, Critics' Choice is a wobbly foot to stand on, but 
I just don't see them giving Chalamet a nomination for fucking Beautiful Boy. I don't think so. I mean, I know that's that's completely gut based, but whatever. Surprises here, or number five surprises. I know, I know, that Michael. (laughs) Well, I do not have Michael B. Jordan, and this is actually the category that I am flexing my no guts, no glory pick and going out on a very big limb here. But I am picking Jonathan Price for the wife. Wow. And the reason for that is because, as you know, I'm still very resistant to the idea of Glenn Close winning for this, for the wife. And the reason is because she's going to be probably the only nomination. And in the expanded era, that doesn't happen too often. And so for me, I'm like looking for anything else that I can give the wife to justify her putting her going into my number one spot. And really, this is the only place to do it. And I think that if you are watching that movie and you're loving what she's doing, you kind of also have to love what Jonathan Price is doing, too, who's also somebody who's had a very long career. He's worked in both Hollywood and in the UK. So in, in, in a ton of movies, I think that if there is enough love to give her the win, that might translate to him as well. And it would make me feel a whole lot better to to really confidently push her into my number one spot. It's a good argument. I would agree if he had gotten into BAFTAs. I also would have agreed if he got any critics notices anywhere all season. Sometimes it happens. You never know. Yeah, but usually at least the critics acknowledge you and then, and I'm not saying critics choice, I'm saying like critics groups even. I, under, I understand. Look, it, it's my no guts, no glory pick. And yeah. It's just, yeah. It yeah. Is a it's a no guts, no glory for a reason. It's a gut instinct that I have, and that's the problem with those types of picks is that you just have no evidence to go on except just a feeling, and that's the feeling I get. I'm probably wrong, but it's just what I'm going with right now. Okay. I respect that because it makes my Michael B. Jordan prediction look better. (laughs) Whatever I can do to help. So uh, I I actually am starting to get – so I have to ask myself. I have to weigh. Do I weigh the love for Panfer? Versus the love for Timothy Chalamet. Because that's what this seems to be, right? It, it's not even so much like, oh, Timothy Chalamet gives a great performance in Beautiful Boy. It's just, it feels more to me like, oh, we just really love Timothy Chalamet. Yes, that's what it would be. So, yeah. I, I, in weighing those two out, you know, both are, both are still relatively young actors. And in a perfect world, I'd like to see Michael B. Jordan get his first nomination. Where Chalamet got his last year. And I have to question, are we going to just nominate Chalamet every single time he has a somewhat decent performance because he's Timothy Chalamet? Or are they going to be, you know, picky with him? It's very, very rare that somebody gets Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, and misses. It has happened. The last time it happened in Best Supporting Actor was Daniel Brühl for Rush in 2010. And that film, or 2013, sorry. And that film also, because he didn't make it in, uh, did not end up getting a single Oscar nomination, which actually was surprising because it probably should have gotten at least a tech nomination somewhere. Didn't it win editing at BAFTA? Mm -hmm. So, what do you guys think? Uh, How many of you are picking Michael B. Jordan here right now on the show? Cody? Michael? Michael, yeah. Tom, what are you doing? I'm doing Chalamet. And Josh, you're going with uh, No Guts, No Glory. Yeah. I have Panfer missing in other places, 
This is an above-the-line nomination to match its Best Picture nomination that I think I could get behind, and I think I'm going to stick with it. Guys, I you have successfully made me change another pick. I am going to move out Chalamet for Jordan. We did it. Oh, uh, I'm alone on the limb. Okay. <laughs> but, Tom, you're probably right. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Tom will be correct on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, let's save... Let's save uh, actress for last year. Let's just move over to actor. So Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Rami Malek. Everyone's got them. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. yep. Does anyone have Vigo missing? I don't. I, I could have, have it, but I don't. I don't. Okay, so I've thought long and hard about this, and I I, I actually made it kind of like a few waves uh, by saying this publicly, that I am taking him out to make room for both John David Washington and Ethan Hawke. Uh, I just want to get I just want to get your thoughts on that prediction right here right now before I 100% commit to it. I, I don't think Ethan Hawke's going to get that nomination. No, I like I said, I didn't really think that first performed was going to go the distance uh, at the end. And I do think that Vigo does smell like that safe pick that ends up being the shocking miss on the morning. He's and Franco this year. He does sort of feel like that, but I think at the same time, the difference, though, is that James Franco was in a movie that was already a tough sell for the Academy. And Viggo Mortensen, what, 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 um, whatever you think about that performance and that movie, people do like him. And despite his gaffes, people do rally behind that performance for some reason. I don't know. But he feels like a kind of a safe contender that people will still put in there. So. I'm, I can't pull the trigger on him getting snubbed. I still think that he's in. Yeah. I, he's a member of the club. You know, he, he's gotten nominations before. Uh, and people do, for whatever reason, really love the movie. I I also love Ethan Hawke in uh, First Reform. I think he's got a couple of really good Oscar scenes, um, which, as much as I admired John David Washington, I, I don't know whether he might you know, measure up to that um, as much as I like the film. So I'm going to go with Hawk, but I'm very wobbly on it. I got to think here because I decided to put Klansman in, back into score, but I took it away from editing. I would find it very unusual if Klansman gets the Best Picture nomination and its lead actor doesn't come along with it. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. Yeah, that's why I have yeah. him in. Yeah. And he got that SAG nomination. And Globe. And his father is Denzel, who's calling everybody, I'm sure. And when the Academy nominates Denzel for stuff like Roman J. Israel Esquire, and he's on the phone telling people how great his son is in a Spike Lee movie that might win Best Picture, that seems like a very hard thing to ignore. It would be great to have a Washington in this category three years in a row. Yeah, I really Mm -hmm. would. That's a good story. Yeah, when he gets into things like Roman J. Israel Esquire, a movie I, I saw and I'm still not sure even exists. You know, that's, yeah, we're still <laughs> waiting for that movie to come out. Yeah, the, <laughs> I bought a ticket. I don't know that it's real, though. Uh, let's discuss the possibility because there seems to be a surgence over the last week or so. Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate. Here's the problem with that. And I believe that there is some last minute surge for him. But the studio that distributed his movie, CBS Films, uh, either no longer exists or is about to no longer exist. So. I don't know where the campaign is coming from. You know, they're gone. 
I mean, I guess it's just Afterglow love from last year, but that movie just has... I don't know anybody who even likes that movie. I heard no real passion for it. And I know that there is support for him, but I just don't know where that movie is in the conversation. It reminds me of a movie from last year called Roman J. Israel Esquire. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess, but... I don't know. Maybe it's just a personal bias because I did not like At Eternity's Gate at all. So I, I also wonder, too, how many people can't make up their minds between the Ethan Hawke, John David Washington scenario. So what they're just doing is they're saying, ah, screw it. And they're putting in Defoe as the final slot there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah but that seems like such a weird person to choose when you're, you're like going for the split. Yeah, you know, why not John C. Riley in that case? Uh, I don't know, because that film just has buzz like way too late. And didn't have time to build it throughout the season. At least it has buzz. I'm like, it, at Eternity's Gate. How crazy would it be if it was a combination of Hawk and Willem Dafoe getting in? Like, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like this category is more fluid than we think. And I'm gonna just stick with I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Vigo missing. So you're predicting two actors. Um, oh wait, never mind. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I'm going to stick with Vigo missing, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say John David Washington and Ethan Hawke both get in at Vigo's expense. It's possible, but mm-hmm. one of us will be right on Tuesday. <laughs> Best actress time. I have Glenn Close for the wife, Olivia Coleman, the favorite, Lady Gaga, a Star Is Born, Melissa McCarthy. Can you ever forgive me? My no guts, no glory pick. I mean, I have oh, to do it. I, I have it. to. He's doing it. Do it. <laughs> I f- I'm going to go with Tony Collette for Hereditary. Yes. Now, I have proud of our listeners. What happened? This, I, I've, been, I've been saying this since January, uh, since I saw the film at Sundance. I have tried. I pushed. I pushed. I pushed. This is my last stand. This is my final push. I am going to go down with this ship, and I know that I'm wrong, and I want to say for the record that if this wasn't a No Guts, No Glory prediction, and if I was being actually smart... I would pick Yulitsia Aparicio, but I can't. Listen, I cannot abandon your her. Kids, no matter what, They're your kids. Yeah. Next best picture nation would be very disappointed if you did not go for that. Exactly. No best story. Yep. Here's what happened this morning. I was talking to Matt on the phone before we started, and he said. Okay, I'm keeping my no guts, no glory. I'm going with Colette. And I said, oh, for a costume nomination? I thought he was talking about the movie Colette. <laughs> and he wasn't being sarcastic or trying to, like, be rude. Like, he actually I, I thought that's thought what I meant. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Listen, Matt, it is incredible that I think we can all agree she's at least in the top seven of potential nominees. That's, oh, she's you know, definitely number seven. Nothing to say that. And you know what? I should take that as victory enough because I exactly. I, I remember getting laughed at by a, by a lot of people early on in the season that this was never even going to even be a possibility. So I think that she's a proven name. I think that what she does in that movie is downright, absolutely, jaw-droppingly incredible. And once again... I blame A24 for this. I have no one to blame but A24. And it shouldn't be that Say way. Say a prayer to payment. Maybe it'll come true. <laughs> and I know that if she misses, it's nothing to do with her. And I actually don't even think it has anything to do with genre biasness. I think that the critics went to bat for her and proved that it wasn't genre biasness at all. I think it's A24's fault, 100%, if she misses here. They dropped the ball. So... 
that's it. That's my that's my stance on Tony Collette. Uh, let's talk about other uh, fifth slot contenders here. Cody, you're going with Yulitsia. Yes, I am. Best pitcher front runner. Yep. Oh, I'm going to go with Yulitsia, but I certainly see a world where Melissa McCarthy does not get in and Emily Blunt does. That could very very easily happen. And I, you know, Definitely. I think it's I think it's very logical to say that Yulitsia and Emily Blunt are six and seven here. I just can't take Melissa McCarthy out because she hasn't missed anywhere. But at the same time, I haven't seen her anywhere in terms of campaigning. And I, I so want to add Emily Blunt for Mary Poppins Returns. It's my favorite performance of the year. One of my favorite performances in years. And uh, it, it pains me so to leave her at six, but I just don't know how to do this. Let me ask you this question. I'm really curious to know from all of you. If Emily Blunt had gotten the Boston nomination, would you be predicting her? Yes. Yes. That's four for four. Hmm. I don't know. Probably, but I think that I think Mary Poppins has generally been fading anyway, and it would have been hard to attribute a BAFTA nomination for her as something that they genuinely liked or just liked her, because, you know, they just tend to like Emily Blunt. If she missed at any of the other precursors but still got three, including BAFTA, I would still be predicting her. But the fact that she missed at BAFTA for playing Mary frickin' Poppins is really, really telling to me. Yeah. Yeah. A shame. Melissa McCarthy is my second favorite performance in the category. And I hate saying this, but I hope she misses just so Emily Blunt could get in. Another thing I want to just breathe a little bit of life into for a minute here is... We have to mention some of the people that landed nominations elsewhere. Um, haven't really popped up anywhere else necessarily, but I think we have to, like even more so than Tony Collette and Hereditary on my end, and maybe even more so than Yulitsia Aparicio for Roma, which in a kind of Michael B. Jordan sort of way, I feel like that's why a lot of people are predicting it because of the Best Picture uh, nomination potential. Because they both only have Critics' Choice. They didn't They didn't get in anywhere else. Um However, you have Nicole Kidman in Destroyer, you have Rosamund Pike in A Private War, and you have Viola Davis, who shockingly got that BAFTA nomination for Widows. I don't understand that one at all. And based on performance or just based on where Widows' place is within the season? Both. I don't think it's that flashy of a performance. And for a movie that hasn't really been showing up just to land a shocker and best actress, I, I just don't understand it. You know, I have a theory as to why... Viola Davis might have been able to get in at BAFTA. And even though Widows is not a British film, it is directed by Steve McQueen, who is a known quantity over there. And remember that Widows is a remake of a BBC miniseries from like the 90s. So even though the movie itself isn't British, the talent making it and the original material is British. So that might have been something to translate over to that group. I think it is a British film, Josh. Yeah, it oh, is. yeah, because Seesaw is attached to it, yeah. And Film 4. Yeah. I would love, based on performance, if Rosamund Pike could get there. Uh, did anyone have a chance to catch up with A Private War? Unfortunately, yes. no. I played for she one week here. astounding in that movie. She's very good. Downright incredible. And like I said, based on performance alone, I would so put her in this category. Um, I, you know, McCarthy, we've talked about as a potential uh, snub here. Are the top three... Completely 100% safe, in your opinion? Yes. I think yes. I can't think of any reason why they wouldn't be. It would be one of the most shopping, shocking snubs in the years. If I'm well, and well, well, up until the Globe win for Glenn Close, there was a lot of people predicting that she would miss. Were there, were there a lot or were there just a few loud voices out there? 
There were a lot, in my opinion. I know, I know what you're thinking of, Michael, but I saw a lot of people. So, I don't know. I, I, I just want to discuss all possible scenarios here because we have a lot of contenders. It only seems like we have one slot, but I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe we have two slots to play with. No. Okay. Uh, so, Josh Parham, who's your sixth slot? Uh, five, fifth slot. Uh, Yelitsa. Uh, Tom? Yelitsa. You guys are all smarter than me. Okay, yeah. There have been so many parties for Yelitsa during this voting period. There was something that Charlize Theron and I think Diego Luna hosted for her. People have been showing off. She's been in town. Netflix got Mary J. Blige in for a similarly quiet performance last year. Right. Yeah. Plus, she has the whole great narrative of her coming here, never having acted before, with the translator, teacher. It's in the stars. And then you have Alfonso Cuaron campaigning for her every time he's getting up to give a speech, giving her praise and talking about how... She she is the heart and soul of the movie, reminding us watching, oh, yeah, she is. And she has good scenes in the film. Like, I know some people say, like, it's an understated performance and, you know, whatever the case may be. But any emotion that you feel while watching that movie is attributed to her. Yeah, I think if you love the film, you literally can't say that she gives an underwhelming performance. She's so integral to the success of that movie. Director. I have... Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, and I pass the baton off to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I will be happy to take it from there when I pick Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite and Pavel Palakowski for Cold War. That's the uh, BAFTA, right? The BAFTA director? I'm going to flip that. I'm going to put Palakowski at four and Lanthimos at five. To show how confident I am in Cold War. Well, that's the yeah, that's the director five at uh, BAFTA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I could see Lantham as missing for Adam McKay, but I can't see Vice as a seven nomination movie. Yeah, that's what that's where I'm running into a dilemma once again as well with Vice. Uh, exactly, I can't I can't see it getting that many nominations. And apparently, Cold War has so much love in the Academy. Uh, Chris Tapley says it could even break in for Best Picture. So you know, that's enough for me to just really put it insecurely for best director knowing how this branch operates it it just seems like an easy call for me all right who else has thoughts well i think that the uh, the cold war mention is very smart considering what bafta did i just don't think that they're going to match up five for five with the bafta lineup and to be honest i've always had i think i've always had lanthimos outside of my five if not if he was ever in he was like number five so I, I struggle to think that he's going to get in. I know you guys are going to hate me for it, but I still have Peter Farrelly in my five. Joshua. And that's not going to happen. Josh, well, that means you have uh, Green Book getting in everywhere it's supposed to, right? Even the controversy with him aside, that was never going to be a movie that hit with the director's branch because they are so clicky at Ampus. They go for their more esoteric picks like Mike Lee or Ben Zeitlin, Michael Haneke. They're not going to go for the director of Osmosis Jones. If they like the movie enough, maybe so. The I, movie look, is a performance piece, though. It's not really a directorial achievement, whatever DGA says aside. And DGA is a lot of television directors. No, I, under, I understand. And maybe it's just me preparing for the worst so that if he doesn't get nominated, I can be happy. But if he does, then at least I can say I predicted it. So I just think that Green Book is still a very strong contender and it shouldn't be underestimated in many categories. And... I know that this was before all the controversy, but when Farrelly got nominated at the Globe, 
and a critic's choice, quite frankly, that to me spoke volumes about how much support that movie has. And it has taken some dings and he is very vulnerable, but I still think that there might be still enough juice for him to get over the finish line. And it's shaky, but I still have him in. I, I can't see a world where it happens. I, I just can't. I hope you're right. Believe me, I don't want it to happen, but yeah. sometimes you got to prepare for the worst case scenario. Speaking of something that I think we would all like to see happen, what if Barry Jenkins made it? I got him in. I would love that, but I just don't think it's happening. No. Ah. We don't have the precursors for it, really. I know. It's a shame. But we didn't have the precursors for a lot of directors that Michael mentioned before. That's true. Yeah. I'm going through the BAFTA director lineups from previous years to try and see the last time I matched five for five with Oscar. And it has been a very long time. I'm actually still scrolling through. And DGA also never lines up five for five. Often it's very, very rare. Extremely rare. The last time it lined up 100% was 2000, where you had uh, Steven Soderbergh two nominations. Ridley Scott, Stephen Daldry, and Ang Lee. Yeah, the BAFTAs. Okay. Yeah, yeah BAFTA and Oscar. That was the last time you saw a five-for-five five crossover between the two. So maybe Yorgos Santhamos misses and Adam McKay gets in. But again, I just can't see Vice as a seven-nomination movie. I'm I'm just sticking with the DGA five, yeah. except for um, Fairly. Instead, I have uh, Lanthimos. I mean, they're tested and true precursor, and I'm just kind of going with that. Yeah, This I'd... does feel like a year, though, like 2012, where it could be like a uh, two out of five line lineup match. It could be like one of those years. It it could be. I mean, uh, I saw uh, Cold War last week, and Polakowski's direction just knocked me out. And I so wanted him to get in at the expense of McKay. I still have McKay in, and but I, I think I think it's between the two of them. I think Lanthimos is in. Uh, it may just be. I I, it, I may be overestimating the uh, strength of the favorite, but. Uh, God love them. There's a lot of direction in there. You may like it, you may not, but it, it's it's right in up front. Um, so I have I have McKay in, but I'd be thrilled if uh, Cold War gets in instead. Very unlikely scenario, but what if with all these tech nominations, Damien Chazelle was able to sl- squeak in there? Oh, I would love that. I would love that so much. He's not even in my predicted ten. I don't think so. What if Lanthimos and McKay miss for Deborah Granick? Okay, see, I think you just said the thing right there, Michael, that uh, I'm I'm like this close. Because the Paolo Kowalowski thing, I I can kind of see it, but I also am not ready to go there. I'm pretty set on Lanthimos. It's that fifth slot that's got me. And it's funny because I kind of defaulted to Barry Jenkins for Beale Street, and that just doesn't feel right. But something that... If we're going to predict like a 2012 kind of scenario where something happens completely out of left field, but oh my God, is that well-deserved? Why not a Lynn Ramsey or a Deborah Granick? You know what? I'm going for it, Matt. I'm going for this right now. You know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do? This is going to sound so incredibly crazy to have a Best Director lineup with so few Best Picture nominees in there, but I am dropping Yorgos Lanthimos for Deborah Granick. Wow. So you have my Palakovsky my Josh Parham adding... Uh, Jonathan Price and sporting actor. This is your this is your no guts no glory. This is my no guts no glory. All right. I'm adding two lone directors. Mm. Oh my god. Oh, I love I'm it. <laughs> kick myself if I don't do it. I'll tell you what I am going to do. I am going to leave in Lanthimos, and I am going to put Deborah Granick in my fifth slot. Yay. 
would make me so happy. So no Pavlikovsky. No Pavlikovsky, no Jenkins. But no Adam McKay. Leave No Trace anywhere near Best Picture nomination? I do, but I, I'm okay. not going to have it getting in. Because, again, I think if you do predicted a director, you have to put in the 10 for Luna tr- or for a picture. Uh, <sighs> Cody, why do you have to speak logic to me? <laughs> Sc- no, you know what? Screw it. I, I'm going to... Just do it. I'm gonna, no, 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 no. I'm going to stick with what I had for the longest time all season and it wasn't until Vice came out that it just threw everything for a loop for me I'm going to stick with Lanthimos and Jenkins okay well I have Jenkins in my lineup too Matt so I'm holding out hope okay oh, wait, one last thing about director watch Bradley Cooper miss and that's going to clear all this up if he if he misses director I think he could win actor then yeah Mm-hmm. Very Affleck. Oh, now I wanted to. I'm not going to predict that, but I'm telling you it's going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling a Will Mavity 2010 when he spoke to the Oscar season gods and said, please let the social network lose the PGA and make this an interesting season. And they listened, and that's how we got the King's Speech. I'm speaking to the same Oscar season gods and saying, let Bradley Cooper miss as great as his direction is and have this be an interesting race. I can't even. Um, <laughs> two categories left. I, I'm, I'm at my wits end. Okay. You guys ready for the big one? No. Let's do it. Why not? Best picture. <laughs> okay. I have Roma, Black Klansman, A Star is Born, Green Book, The Favorite, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther, and... Vice, and if Beale Street could talk at number nine, my number ten would be First Man. I have the exact same ten, exactly in that order. I was considering dropping Vice. I was considering it uh, because I just did a simulation on film Twitter. Granted, it's film Twitter. Granted, the sample size was small; it was about only 150 ballots. But damn it, I counted them by hand, and it felt like a lot to me. Not a single person. Put Vice in number one. The highest it ever got was number two. Director Matt. What? Are you sorry? Are you predicting it in director? No, I have Lanfamos and Jenkins. Okay. okay. Ah, okay. There you go. So, Matt, are you then predicting nine Best Picture nominees? Uh, I, I listen. I don't like to do the whole. Are you predicting the eight, nine, ten? That whole thing. I just have a ranking of one through ten, and if it's nine, I knock out the one at the bottom. If it's eight, I knock out the two at the bottom, and that's that's how I do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm exactly yeah. the same, Matt. I don't like I don't like to predict how many it's going to be because I think that's silly because there's just no way of ever knowing. So, you know, I'm very close to where you are here. Uh, for my ten, you know, we all start off pretty similar. Roma stars were in Black Klansman, Green Book, Favorite, Black Panther, Vice, Bohemian Rhapsody, and then for those final two, I'm going to go with First Man. And up until ten minutes ago, I had a feel streak of talk, but just for the sake of predicting a surprising morning, I'm keeping my number 10 as leave no trace. I love where you're going with this, Michael. I hope it happens. Kiss you, Michael. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, let me tell you, I don't have the balls to put it in picture. Otherwise, if I did, I would so put the De- uh, Deborah Granick into director as well, have it get picture director and adapted screenplay. Um, as is, though, you know, I could see a world where I don't have Jenkins in director, and as a result, I don't have Beale Street making picture. But I also could see a world where Beale Street gets into picture based on the passion vote and Jenkins still misses director. Mm-hmm. Um, first man, you know, after today's uh, recording, 
and having me bump it out of uh, visual effects and even contemplating taking it out of production design leads me to believe that it also, too, is maybe not going to max out its tech nominations like a lot of us think. Um, and so its nomination tally is going to go down. And as a result of which, it's not going to then become the uh, film that has the most nominations ever in the preferential era without a Best Picture nomination. The record is currently Carol, which had six nominations. No film that has had more nominations than that has not gotten a Best Picture nomination. And at the moment, I have First Man with seven. It could easily miss something like Claire Foy, which brings it to six. Right. Very possible. Uh, I keep going back with Leave No Trace to that thing that I just did in director, adding Deborah Granick. And I'm going through the list of director nominees in history, seeing the last time there were two Best Director nominees from non-Best Picture contenders. The last time we saw this happen was 1994 with Woody Allen and Christoph... Uh, Oh my god, I can never pronounce the last name. Uh, from th- Three Colors. Oh, uh, uh, Krasowski. Uh, no. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So there was 1994 with that. But then you go up a little more and you see 91, you have Thelma and Louise and Boys in the Hood. 1990, The Grifters and Reversal of Fortune. This happens. And I know that was all before the expansion. But you have to think if there was an expansion, then those movies would have been in the 10 most likely. Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm predicting Deborah Granick over in director, I think I have to put Leave No Trace somewhere in the picture. I, I think you have to. But yeah. what about Cold War? Cold War, that's it. I know I'm debunking my own point, right? Contains <laughs> <laughs> multitudes. Yes, yes. With Cold War, I have that at number 12. And Chris Tapley is saying things like, oh, he's talking to voters and feels like it's very, very close to landing in picture. He knows more than I do because he's talking to these voters. So maybe it's higher than 12. Maybe First Man isn't even there. I don't know. I really don't know. But I think both of them do have some sort of fighting chance. I have them both above Mary Poppins, which for me is a big deal. First Man's BAFTA showing gave me a sense of hope that I wasn't expecting. It even got an adapted screenplay nomination. That was a little bit surprising. Eh, I I Uh, think the First Man is going to be mm. a big tech getter on the morning, but... I think it will still struggle above the line. I have it now with six nominations, so I have a tying with Carol. Uh, I've got it in my number 10 spot for picture, but I, it's, it's very unlikely that there will be 10 Best Picture nominees. Right. So yeah. I'm, my feeling is that it will max out at six nominations, tie the record for most nominations without a Best Picture mention, and that will be its day. Yeah, that, that sounds very likely to me. Um, unless, of course, if it misses in places where it shouldn't. Uh, all right, so let's let's go let's go through this very quickly. Then, Michael, your bottom two in picture: First Man and Leave No Trace. Uh, Tom, First Man and Beale Street. Cody, Beale Street at nine. First Man at ten. And Josh, uh, Beale Street nine. First Man ten. And I, yeah, I have that too. Beale Street nine. First Man ten. I like I said, I was playing with the idea of Vice missing just due to the divisive nature of that movie, but it hasn't shown any weakness. PGA and DGA. Exactly. And Vice is divisive, but it does mean it has passion behind it. And passion gets you the nomination, consensus gets you the win, but it does have passion. Regarding First Man, something to consider here is that if we were using the rules from 2009 and 2010, where it's not the most number one votes if they're just ranking, 
I think firsthand we'll get in under those or under that voting system. Oh yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely say that too. Yeah, and I think the same would have gone for Foxcatcher a couple years back. Yeah, and even Carol. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at that, and then you go back to 2006, where Dreamgirls does not get a Best Picture nomination in the year five, yet it leads with eight nominations. So if we had First Man with six or seven, you know, we could say if they were using this different voting system, it would have gotten in. The only reason it misses picture is because they're looking for number ones. Yeah, I think in a year of 10, um, I think you'd be looking at Roma, Klansman, Black Panther, The Favorite, First Man, Green Book, If Beale Street Could Talk, A Star Was Born, Vice, and then the 10th slot, I mean, uh, you know, that, that would, I mean, that would be up to gra- up for grabs. I mean... You know, you could have Quiet Place, could be Poppins, could be Crazy Rich Asians. Unfortunately, I have a feeling it would be Bohemian. Yeah. Yeah, I think Bohemian would still get it then, but it would be lower than it is in this system. Yeah. Okay, now I got to ask the big question uh, that just because we have to prepare for the worst case uh, scenario possible, uh, Black Panther, any chance that it possibly can miss? Doubtful. It got the Globe nomination, which I know there's no crossover. But the fact that it got that and Dark Knight didn't, you know, I think that really speaks. Uh, to I'm with you. Where this film is. Yes, yeah. I, I agree. So that was that was time. the deal. That was a deal breaker for me. Exactly. Because Dark Knight did get uh, DGA, got PGA. It landed at uh, a lot of the guilds. And SAG. SAG's really important here. Mm hmm. Yeah. So for anyone that's wondering, uh, you know, we're thinking, I, I feel confident. I, I and, and you know what, uh, Josh, you and I were the two holdouts all season long about. All right, do we really commit to this? We've been burned before. I'm scared. I don't know if they're going to be like this awesome and make this happen. But I think we can finally say now uh, we both think it's going to happen. Yeah, I I think what's happened the last like couple weeks is that the steam of it possibly winning Best Picture has died down significantly. But I feel like it is still in a pretty good position to be nominated. Like, yeah, it's missed some of the Guild uh, nominations that it probably would have been nice to get. But you're still looking at a film that got PGA, WGA, SAG Ensemble. That's a pretty good thing, too. So I think it's still in a pretty good spot to be nominated for Best Picture. Okay. Uh, Speaking of Best Picture, final question before we get off the air. Michael, what's winning the PGA tonight? A star is born. Cody. Probably star is born, but I'm going out on a limb saying green book. Oh, God. <laughs> Man. Ask me why. I'm too tired to explain. <laughs> Tom. Cody, you're killing me. Um, star is born. Josh. Black Klansman. And I am going to go with a star is born. Michael, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. Cody Derricks. Cody Monster 91 everywhere. Tom O'Brien. I am on Twitter at, at Thomas E. O'Brien. Josh Parham. On Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for making it through what is surely and has been for the last couple of years our longest-running uh, podcast here on the Next Best Picture podcast, the Oscar nominations predictions episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. You also can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback there. And if you want to support us, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. 
Thank you so much for listening. And remember, they're just Oscar nominations. If something uh, truly awful is to happen on Tuesday, uh, we'll adapt. We'll move on. We'll learn from it. Be respectful. Be nice to people. Don't call people out and try to drag people through the mud. That's not nice. And hopefully it'll be a very happy nomination morning for us all. Because of the Sundance Film Festival preventing us from recording next Sunday, we will be returning on Wednesday a few days from now with our reactions to the Oscar nominations. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all with those nomination reactions next time. Thank you.